Nazem Kadri and John Klingberg at the time of this recording haven't signed, and yet the NHL offseason to date has been absolutely unorchestrated, pure chaos. A lot has happened, and we're going to break it down for you in episode 329 of the Lace Up Podcast, which starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Brett, we're going to start with what I think is probably the biggest left field free agency signing in NHL history because it is so unprecedented, Brett. The Columbus Blue Jackets have landed a superstar in his prime. Yeah, it's um, it's a crazy world, but yeah, it's it's kind of amazing at the same time. So um, yeah, it's you know it's it's weird. I, I love Johnny Goudreau. He's one of my favorite players. That's not a Bruin, um, but uh, like I, I remember like staying up late to watch his NHL debut uh, when he was in Calgary, um, and it's just like it's crazy that like just the amount of like how great how good he is so far because like i knew he was good at bc but um but it's like it's just uh phenomenal just watching him play so um it's yeah it's it's, it's good like I, I i think there was always these rumors we've we've even like mentioned it around the show that like goudreau was going to leave calgary um after his his contract is over like it was always just like a hidden secret for for a long time that Goudreau was going to leave. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it just, uh, all the, like we, we were thinking like, oh, he's going to uh, where he's, he comes from or like one of his favorite teams um, in Philly or maybe the Devils. And then, yeah, all of a sudden he just, uh, he, he doesn't do that. And it's, it's kind of cool that like at the same time, it's like, okay, I was expecting him to go to New Jersey or Philadelphia but, but it is kind of cool that he, he gets to go to Columbus. So, so there's that. Um, in case uh, you guys don't know the timeline, I'm going to rush it, run it through, and then, uh, and then we'll do like opinion pieces here. Um, so it started off where uh, Goudreau was uh, offered by Calgary something like something basically like ten point five million and eight years. Um, yeah. Calgary's final final offer right 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 um he, I I think they they said like they didn't say 10.5 but they said something like north of 10.5 um and that would be like just for reference that's basically what um Connor Connor McDavid makes 12 million that would make him the third highest paid player in the league and this is American dollars in a Canadian market yeah for everyone who needs a bit of context there so right. in Canadian dollars it's more like 11 million yeah plus. um and then just before free agency started he had uh he had reportedly turned that down um and like again I, I don't think it was like a huge surprise from us because it was as we were saying it's like a open secret that um he wasn't going to stay in Calgary 
but at the same time you're just thinking like okay calgary like like i probably wouldn't have done that like had goudreau stayed in calgary that probably meant that kachuk is going that would mean that mangiapani is probably going just because they couldn't afford those guys anymore um and um and then calgary's just just has goudreau and they have to make do with like a, a used up sean monahan um so so in, in a way it was it was kind of a blessing in disguise that he turned that down um but uh but yeah it's still like shocking because like when i heard that i was just thinking like wait a second like i would i would take that in a second because like it's not that like calgary is terrible like they're a playoff contender or something like that and uh he had cited that he wanted to leave because of family reasons um so it's like okay i can respect that and and that's that's something that is it's clearly just a heart thing and not um like a money thing um but like you know at the same time it's like okay if you want to have a cup like even if he had signed with the devils calgary's probably it would be closer to getting a cup than the devils are um or the flyers were yeah, and, and he yeah. said uh, he said publicly he enjoyed every second of his time in Calgary. Right. It was a very emotional conversation yeah, exactly. that he had with Flames management, telling them that yeah. he wasn't coming back, and that um, at the at the end of the day, um, like you said, Brett, it was a family decision. The team did yeah. everything he could. His agent acknowledged the same thing. The team yeah. said we did our best, but we respect his decision yep. to, to think about his family and yeah, we're yeah. not going to get in his way. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a respectable thing too. It's just, it is a little strange though because what ended up happening next was that um, we we get this offer that Yarmo Kekalainen, or I, I forget who originally reported it, but basically Yarmo offered... Uh, supposedly, he offered the same amount that Calgary did, but with seven years instead of eight years. <laughs> so that would have definitely made him the highest paid player uh, just because of that. I thought I heard oh, seven by 12, or was that yeah, incorrect? I, I think that if if I do the math right, I think that's that's correct. It's just that because uh, Columbus couldn't offer eight years, that's just uh, an advantage that right, those okay. teams have. Um, so I, I think if, if the math works out, if that's what, like, if that's equal to 10.5 by 8, then, yeah, I think that that would be what it is. Um, yeah, so 7 by 12, so that's 500K yeah. less per year than McDavid's cap hit. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so... And you're expecting him to produce McDavid-like numbers every yep. year at that point. I mean, I mean, he is a good player. Um, like, he did get 115 points in 82 games this year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's probably not like, um, I, I don't think he's going to, to get, he, he might, I guess maybe he might, but it's, it's, it's hard to see really. Um, but yeah, anyways, he, um, he, he doesn't do that, but apparently he signs with Columbus. Um, and it wasn't even like 12 by seven that we were, we, we were just saying it was 9.75 by, by seven years. Um, which, which isn't too bad, of course, um, but it's a little bit lower than uh, we were expecting. So, so maybe they didn't even offer 12 uh, by 7, so we'll see. And maybe this was the original offer. But, like, I think at the time you were just thinking, it's like, why would he go to Columbus if it was truly about family reasons? It's like, okay, well, most of his family 
is in New Jersey. His favorite team growing up was Philly. Um, I knew that Philly didn't have cap space, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. But, um, but you're thinking like, okay, well, why Columbus? Um, and it, it's a nice contract too. Uh, he has a no movement clause for, um, I guess it's weird how they do this. Oh, okay. So he does have a no movement clause for the first four years. Uh, he still has a no movement clause in his last three, but he also has a 10 team no trade list. Um, as well on his last no, it's, three it's 10 team trade oh 10 team trade right right sorry um yeah yeah i i, I guess yeah i don't know what a 10 yeah 10 team no trade list i don't even think that happens yeah so he basically submits a list of like i want to go here i want to yeah. go here i want to go here and right. seven other places and everywhere else uh, i have to approve yep um and it's kind of it's kind of cool um you know, like the more I've been thinking about this is that, or just the more that like takes I've seen, like, like, yeah, Columbus is f far from, from New Jersey and uh, Pennsylvania or Philly where he um, is doing it. But at the same time, Columbus is in the same division as, uh, as those teams. Um, so it's like, you know, it's much closer yeah, than Calgary. Also in the sweepstakes, and they lost yeah. out on him, and they're in the same division. Too. True, true, the Islanders, but I don't really consider them. I don't think they were ever really in in it. But Poor Islanders, eh? This is like yeah. their third time trying to get a star player, yeah, including a failed attempt to uh, yeah to keep their own, and they true. lost every single time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's true. But I don't know. I. I I feel like it was New Jersey or, or bust, but I guess maybe the Islanders were in it, but who knows? Um, and then, um, yeah, so, so it's like, you know, it's closer than Calgary. They're in the same division as those teams. So it's like, you know, and he never like said directly what that family reasons mean. Um, and I didn't realize this at the time, but his wife is a, like a, a doctor. Um, and, uh, Columbus has a really good hospital system there, so so maybe that's like the family reason, um, and not like he wants to live back where his parents are or whatever it is. So um, so that that that's definitely something. And either way, it's like much closer to Calgary or further away from like Calgary is pretty far away from that area anyway. So it's like okay, he wants to he wants to live somewhere like he doesn't want to live too close to the family um and all that stuff he also uh, later said that uh columbus was actually um was actually his like one of his top choices and he had told yarmo that and <laughs> to the point where yarmo was actually surprised that columbus was one of his top choices and, um, and everyone in Columbus yeah. was so surprised. <laughs> yeah. I mean, found out, yeah. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, player actually wants to come here? That's, right, right, that right. actually has a choice. Yeah, he, said, he says, I always wanted to, I always kind of dreamed about playing a tad closer to home, but I mean, it didn't matter where I was signing. Our decision was it was best for us not to go back to Calgary. And then we decided to figure out what was the best option for us. Um, yeah, so that... Um, yeah, I, um, and um, yeah, I guess it, it's just um, it's just uh, an interesting standpoint from that perspective, um, and yeah, it's uh, so he signed 
uh, with Columbus. And uh, yeah, I think we're all shocked. And um, but like at the same time, it's like, you know, what's what's interesting is, is that, you know, they get Columbus uh, a few years ago. They had Panarin and Bobrovsky um, and they both uh, left as soon as their contracts were up. Um, Matt Duchesne as well. Matt Duchesne as well. And that was all, like, widely to believe that, like, okay, Columbus is, like, just not that great of a city. Um, and so, like, that's where the reputation started of, like, okay, no no stars want to stay in Columbus. And then, uh, like, last year, yeah, Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, leaves. And that may have more to do with the fact that he didn't get along with John Tortorella than anything. But, um, but yeah, there, there was that situation, um, and, uh, and he wanted out, and then, you know, there were, like, even though they got Patrick Laine in the deal, it was, it's, like, widely believed that Patrick Laine wants out, because uh, it's, like, you know, that there, there's still that reputation that, um, for Columbus of, like, okay, this, is, it's kind of like a Winnipeg situation where, like, no star wants to be there, they have to make trades just to get them hooked and um maybe you hope that they stay um Patrick Laine is actually an interesting case now or even more interesting is just because like he is now a restricted free agent it's like he he might want to stay with Columbus now that they have Johnny Gaudreau so that's one benefit also to mention the fact that like they have um Zach Wierenski signed a long-term deal uh with with Columbus and uh that was like one of the first signs of like oh actually a player who's pretty good wants to stay with us I mean of course Wierenski's a level below Johnny Gaudreau but um but yeah that's definitely something there um and uh it's interesting too just from the standpoint that you're looking at like I, I see all these like Calgary fans um on Twitter saying like, oh, we should have traded Gaudreau from the onset. He should have been more honest with the front office. And to that I say, it's like, if you're going to trade, like at that point when the trade deadline was happening, Calgary was the best team in the Western Conference or the second best team uh, next to Calgary. Um, and they were, or next to Colorado. Um, and they were going to make the playoffs and largely due to how good Johnny Gaudreau was. So, yes, you probably would get a high return if you traded him, but at the same time, you uh, you just can't... Um, it's just like, that would make even less sense <laughs> than what you're doing. Not to mention the fact that like when Calgary was struggling a, a while ago, they wanted Johnny Gaudreau gone. Um, so it's just... Um, you know they wanted Johnny Gaudreau uh, traded as well, so it's um it's not a like you know he he like I feel like Calgary is forgetting the fact that like it wasn't like so like rosy all the time, um so it's I don't know that that part kind of like annoyed me more, but anyways. Um, I, th I think this is obviously this is very huge for Columbus, not only just from like a reputation standpoint that a player finally wants to stay in Columbus, but it, it makes the team better um, because of, like maybe like Patrick Laine wasn't going to sign with Columbus, but 
there's a better chance that he's going to sign now because they have a guy um, in place, um, and you know they have it, like it shows that they're serious about this team and winning now, um, and and maybe you have that development going, um, you know. So and and maybe it, this is like a way to go. It kind of reminds me of when um, to to compare him to McDavid again. It's just like when McDavid got onto Edmonton. It's just like, okay, all these other teams, all these other players were just like, okay, I want to get involved with with Edmonton. So maybe in the future, there are going to be some players who are like, okay, Cal- Columbus actually has some pieces that could actually um, win now. And, um, and yeah, and, and they, <laughs> what's funny is due to that Seth Jones trade, like they have a lot of top prospects now. So it's like, they're, um, they don't necessarily need to acquire a lot of free agents even still because they have all, you know, they have a lot of top prospects in their system um, now, and that's um, and that can only help them help them out in the future. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is huge for them. I, I guess we'll talk about Calgary's situation after this, but um, I've been talking long enough. What is your thoughts on Johnny Gaudreau and the Columbus situation? And then we'll talk about Calgary afterwards. This is a part of the NHL I don't think that has really grown. Like, it's been, I think, relatively stagnant. Hasn't really changed much. Nothing has really pushed the envelope in terms of growing the game in Ohio beyond that section of America. This might change all that. Like if you're if you're in Ohio and it's the fall, it's football all the time. You got the Cleveland Browns that have a lot of drama surrounding them right now, but hey, they're a good team for once. That's good. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are a young and exciting team and went to the freaking Super Bowl last year, so there's a lot of hype around them. Obviously, what can you say about the Ohio State Buckeyes? Yep. Um, that are located in Columbus, one of the most recognizable NCAA college football programs out there. How many people in the fall are like, hey, want to go to a Columbus Blue Jackets game? (laughs) When you have Ohio State or Cleveland or Cincinnati on the TV to watch or you have the opportunity to go see them. I think Johnny Gaudreau is going to make those fans think twice and just like, man, I want to see Johnny Gaudreau and the Blue Jackets play. Right. It, it, it starts with one guy, and it starts with one pivotal moment that turns everything around, like uh, like Wayne Gretzky going to the Kings in that famous trade in 1988. Yeah. A lot of people in that section of America, the Californias, the Arizonas, Texas, the hockey wasn't as big then, but over time, as Wayne Gretzky's impact was felt – in that section of the Western United States, you started to see a lot of franchises pop up there, and a lot of those franchises uh, enjoyed a lot of success. The Dallas Stars won the Stanley Cup in 1999, made the finals again in 2000. The Kings made it to the finals once with Gretzky in 1993. You have three California teams there, including the Kings, uh, Anaheim and San Jose being included in that. You now have a team in Vegas. How much of that success is possible without that Wayne Gretzky trade? It's something that we'll never know, but it's always something to think about, the growth of the NHL in that section, and how Wayne Gretzky 
kind of revolutionized hockey in that section of the U.S. And I feel like if all goes well, this signing could have that effect in Ohio and the surrounding areas that haven't really uh, caught the haven't haven't really caught to the vibe of the NHL before. And again, it's a it's a statement signing. It takes it takes away the mantra of. When it's time for players to pick a spot, when it comes to the superstar player to decide, hey, where are you going to spend arguably the rest of your career, the prime of your career, where is it going to be? And they're in Columbus. And they're asked, hey, do you want to stay here or do you want to go somewhere else? In the case of our Timmy Panarin, in the case of Matt Duchesne, in the case of Sergei Bobrovsky, they decide to go elsewhere. And the rhetoric for popular free agents Columbus might make a pitch for them, but it's never going to be Columbus. They're never going to land that big-name player. Well, Johnny Gaudreau picked Columbus. He signed long-term with them. He signed a seven-year deal. He's committed to this franchise. And he said straight from his own mouth that he, he, there's, there's something about this team that, that, that really stuck with him and really caught his attention off the bat. Like, it wasn't just this last-minute decision of, yeah, Columbus – it's something that he thought about for a while and he was eager to go there. Like that's, that's just astounding to me. And it, it kind of, it, it kind of gives you the feeling that, you know, maybe more NHLers are going to give Columbus a shot now. Yeah. If Johnny Goudreau, Columbus and I had success there, maybe I should give Columbus a shot too. Maybe I'll sign there. And that being said, if the Columbus Blue Jackets struggle, everyone's going to be looking at Johnny Gaudreau because they're paying him $9.75 million every single year. That that contract's not going up or down. It's nine point seven five across the board from year one to year seven. And they're paying him to play like their best player. It definitely helps Patrick Laine's job because even if Patrick Laine's not on his line, people are going to be so focused on Johnny Gaudreau they forget, oh, yeah, that sharpshooter on the second line is Patrick Laine. <laughs> right. And he scores a lot of goals from that magical spot. Um, and you also have guys like Oliver Bjorkstrand. Maybe you get the next level out of him. There's Gustav Nyquist, uh, an underrated winger that had some good years in Detroit. Uh, as shown recently in Columbus that he's still got plenty left in the tank at 32 years old. You have Jack Roslovic uh, in the mix as well. Uh, youngsters like Igor Chinnikov, Cole Sillinger as well. There's a lot to look forward to. And then on the back end, you have Zach Irwinski. So there's that. And a young goalie in Elvis Mers Lincolns that I think, despite the inconsistencies, could someday be a top 10 goalie in this league if, if everything works out. But the Columbus Blue Jackets need to improve their defense. They need to improve beyond their top six and they need a legit center because I really don't know um, if a playmaker for Johnny Gaudreau should be someone like Jack Roslovic. I feel like he maybe someday being for right now I feel like he's a number two center that has some consistency problems offensively. There's a lot of upside with this team no question and I feel that in order for Johnny Gaudreau to be fully assured that Columbus was the spot, Yermo Kekalainen had to pitch him. This is just my assumption. He had to pitch him on what's going to happen next. 
this we're going to get this type of player next offseason or this offseason we're going to seek this player or a player that fits this mold i don't know if and that i mean i don't know if that's necessarily true uh just because there was a report that Goudreau said that he was interested in playing for Columbus and Yarmo was shocked by that so that's that's maybe it's not like a way for Yarmo to be like oh actually like <laughs> maybe he didn't need as much convincing as we think he did yeah well I mean the, the thing is when I look at the Blue Jackets roster right now it just in order for it to really like take that next step along with Johnny Goudreau I do think you need to make some changes oh yeah like for sure but I, I, I don't know if that necessarily means a new contract yeah. in theory if you're going to keep him around and you just gave Erica Branson a 4 by 4 right like, right 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 is, yeah. is that really is that really all that's that that you're going to do this offseason I highly doubt it True, true. I, I just don't know if that, like, was necessarily um, what Gaudreau, like, like I, I, I don't know if we can assume that is, is more my point. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm just, um, I'm just curious what the pitch was yeah. to Johnny Gaudreau, because I feel like it's more than just this vision of, you know, Columbus is an awesome city, we want you, we, uh, allegedly, uh, Maybe seven by twelve was the initial offer. We know he took less. We took less than what Calgary yep. was offering as well. There, there has to be more than just the pitch of "Hey, we love you. Come play for us. Columbus is a great city. You're gonna love it here." Yeah, there has to be a plan beyond this year, or else the Columbus Blue Jackets, even with Johnny Gaudreau at the helm, are going to be an average team fighting for a wild card spot every year. Yeah, yeah, that's because fair. Because the Eastern Conference is the dog eat dog world. True. Like, the minimum 100 points was the criteria for every single playoff team last year. Yeah. If you got 100 points last year in the East, you were in. If you didn't, well, too bad. Better yeah. luck next year. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just thinking, like, like you make it out to seem like they're they're desperate or whatever. Uh, uh, I, I don't think they're desperate, but I, I feel like it's not going to happen overnight where Columbus just all of a sudden oh, yeah, yeah. turns it up uh, a notch. At the end of the day, they're still a team that gives up a lot of shots, and their defense is pretty porous. Like their offense right. was middle of the pack, True. but they had the—I think it was like the fifth worst defense in the league—and against a team like the Calgary Flames at, at home, I remember very vividly in a game the second half of last year, the Flames got sixty plus shots on Columbus and beat them like six nothing or six one. It was not close. That team had some rough moments throughout the season, and they definitely were not an easy team to put away. But if if you put like a highly potent offense in front of them, they're sitting ducks. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's true. I mean, you do have to compete a lot with um, people in um, in the uh, in in the metro uh, compared to. I, I just would feel I just feel the work in progress. But yep. this is definitely a step to where Columbus needs to get to. Because you have two more years of Jacob Voracek, and he's still a solid playmaker, but Johnny Gaudreau is going to be the primary playmaker in that offense. Um, you have one more year left of Gustav Nyquist, so there's some cap space uh, available for uh, Yarmo Kekalainen to improve his roster. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not much. And on top of that, you got guys playing out uh, the – last year or second to last year of their entry levels 
So right. you're going to have to pay those guys when they become RFAs at some point, too. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, okay. Uh, in terms of the Calgary situation, uh, they yeah. st- they still have... Um, they st- they still have. Uh, I mean, the the bright spot is is that they have eighteen million in cap space. They still have to sign Kachuk and Mangiopani. So in that and in Chillington, uh, there's still RFA's there. So I imagine that's um, that's going to be their big. Um, you know, that's where the money is going to go to. However, if they do spend all that money on on those three guys, which they should, it's it means that they won't find a replacement on Goudreau. Um, and that's something that they'll, they'll need to find. They do have uh, Peltier in the system. Uh, he played really well in the AHL uh, last year. Um, they also have Coronado, who's another left winger, but he's, he's probably going to take another year in college, I would imagine. Um, uh, he's also a left winger. So in the future, they're kind of set, assuming those guys pan out. Uh, but uh, but right now, also another sign that maybe like Calgary was expecting this to happen. So that's why they ended up getting all these left wingers um, in place just in case this happened. Um, the other thing, um, but like maybe what they end up doing is they trade Sean Monaghan and get a left winger yeah. somewhere. Um, that's that's the first thing they probably do. Yeah. Uh, However, when it gets yeah. that after those down years with Johnny Gaudreau, yeah. uh, unfortunately, Monahan couldn't get out of his drought. Yeah. Drought yeah. True. True. I I guess like the 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 thing with that is it's like because Monahan's stock has dropped so much um, that I don't even know if they could even get anything for him. So so that's <laughs> that's where the risk is involved there it's just like they'll probably have to like do a cap dump type move for sean monahan and they won't find a replacement uh for for johnny gaudreau very easily i'd imagine what they'll do is they will have uh, peltier be the guy um and see how he does in the nhl and then maybe like um i i have to look at who are the free agents left winger free agents next year but um, but maybe that is something that they, they start to do. Or they could, like, pick up a guy like Nino Nitterreiter just to hold them over or um, or something like that. But um, that that's probably what, where they're going to um, to go. But, yeah, I mean, what, what do you think of Calgary now that they don't have Goudreau? Well, the big, the big unknown is what Magic Kachuk does. Because yep. um, I believe it's assumed that he may not be so willing to be a part of a rebuild. And as much as Calgary would like to stay competitive, you're still in the salary cap realm. And even though you lost Johnny Gaudreau, um, you still have to pay, like you said, Mangiapane and Chillington. Right. And Matthew Kachuk had one hell of a campaign, so sure. he's probably getting at least $8 million. Yeah. Uh, and he got, uh, I think his cap was like uh, $7 million, but I believe uh, the qualifying offer is whatever the price tag is on the final year of his deal. Uh, so the final year, oh, $9 million. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I think at least $9 million is what the qualifying offer is for Matthew Kachuk uh, as an RFA, and they did give him that qualifying offer. So um, that's basically 
the benchmark to start the negotiations there. 24 years old. There's definitely a bright future ahead. He has experience on both sides of the wing. 104 points and 42 goals. The other thing to keep in mind is, and I think I've said this on the show before, uh, Elias Lindholm, great bargain signing for Calgary, huge contributor on their top line. In two years, they got to pay him, and it's the same thing for Toffoli as well. Both those guys make under $5 million, and um, they're going to become free agents uh, in 2024, the summer of 2024, uh, as will uh, Noah Hannafin, um, Nikita Zadorov, Chris Tanev. There's a lot of unknowns with their defense uh, at that point. Uh, Mikhail Backlund's contract uh, also expires in 2024. So there are a lot of uh, short-term unknowns uh, for the Flames to settle. And I, I think ultimately where they go next all depends what happens with the Matthew Kachuk situation. If he decides to sign a, like a one-year contract, I think that would take him to free agency the following year. So uh, I'm pretty certain Calgary wouldn't do that unless they traded him right away for a boatload of futures. Um that, that necessarily doesn't mean that Calgary should do that, but if Matthew Kachuk is done in Calgary and he doesn't want to play for the Flames anymore, there's not really that much they yeah. can really do. True. Um, and um, I, I also heard on Twitter the idea of him going to the St. Louis Blues would be interesting. Right. St. Louis has got a lot of talent that Calgary could choose from, and there's this guy named Vladimir Tarasenko that True. if the Blues were to move some salary, that maybe Vladimir's the guy. So... Um, if you trade Kachuk to St. Louis, maybe Tarasenko could be part of return. That could be yeah. uh, a... It would be a gamble, but it, you would get like a 30 to 40 goal scorer reputation. True. Um, the, the thing yeah, with that... I, 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 really don't, I, I really don't know what to expect with Calgary. I'd have to see how the next few months play out. Yeah. Uh, and what, what Matt Kachuk envisions uh, as far as his role in Calgary goes. Yeah, I mean, this is why I said last week that Calgary is the most interesting team because, like, we all knew that Goudreau was leaving, um, but we didn't know, like, like the aftermath of, like, what what is their plan? And, yeah, you may be right that if they are going to be rebuilding, maybe they then they do trade uh, Kachuk because they, you know, he is an RFA, so they can trade his rights, and that's something where uh, Calgary fans, I mean, yeah, it, it sucks because <laughs> you were only – uh, good for one year, but uh, but yeah, at the same time, it's just like okay, if, if you can get something out of Kachuk, like I feel like if they if they can't sign Kachuk, then yeah, they should start to rebuild. But if Kachuk wants to stay, then they build a team around Kachuk, um, which is something that they could be doing. Um, and so to answer your question, Brett, about left winger free agents, uh, there's yeah. Jonathan Huberdeau oh. who also got 115 points. Um, I doubt he is probably on the market unless, for whatever reason, Florida decides not to keep him. Okay. Uh, there's JT Miller experience at left wing. But he's more um, of a center. I mean, they do need center help, too. So. Yeah. If, Timo Meyer, you're not sure oh, with Meyer the cap situation yeah. with the Sharks. Uh, he yeah. would be uh, an RFA, but yeah. he could be a fit. But you brought uh, up. So it's, yeah. You you did bring up something that was interesting too is that you're saying that he doesn't you don't know if Kachuk would want to stay in Calgary if it's a rebuild, but I don't I don't know necessarily if it is a rebuild um, because like then it's like when you're suggesting that they Calgary takes Tarasenko, I'm not sure why Calgary would do that if if they are rebuilding. 
because um, <laughs> it's not that like Tarasenko is a bad player or anything like that. It's just that he's a lot older than Kachuk is. So it's like you would probably want like a first round pick and 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 like a high end uh, prospect for Kachuk. Um, I, I just feel that if Matthew Kachuk was to stay in Calgary, I feel like Calgary might be pressured to go out and get a big name to say, hey, see, we, yeah. we lost Johnny Gaudreau, but we just got, we're fine, you're fine. You can, right. You stay in Calgary, please. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I guess. Here's a yeah. I don't know, in free agency. Yeah. What, what about that? Right, right, right. Yeah, maybe that's what they end up doing. Um that would actually be interesting if they end up like signing Kadri just because of Goudreau leaving. Um, it would be such a headache for the Oilers, though. Can you oh, imagine yeah. Kachuk and Calgary just wreaking Kadri. havoc? Yeah. And also, Zach Cassidy is no longer on the Oilers, so you yeah. don't have that factor. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they would yeah, make they room. But they also have Lucic, They also too. have Lucic, yeah. I don't know how they would make room cap-wise, because <laughs> we're already saying that, like... Um, with uh, with Kachuk there, they would have to move on from Mangiapane, but um, but yeah, that that would be interesting. Um, yeah, no, I like it, you did bring up a good point though. It's like maybe they do start to rebuild. I don't think they would, um, but yeah, if if Kachuk if Kachuk goes, then I think they kind of have to rebuild. Um, there's no other choice. Um, they do have Connor Zary in the system as well as. Peltier and um, and Coronado, um, so so maybe they like those guys take over, and they're all pretty good prospects at that. So so maybe there is something there, but they have to like hope that those guys are ready right now, which I don't think they are. Um, so so yeah. that's just something to I think mean, about. The, the rebuild conversation with Kyle, yeah, I don't think it'll be immediate, even if Kachuk leaves. It might True. be something that they sit and wait on yeah. in, in like a year and see how the free agency class goes in 2023. Uh, True. One thing I will say about the 2023 class, uh, right now, at the moment, it looks a lot stronger than this year's class. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to stay that way, but there are a lot of prime uh, UFA talents potentially hitting the market, and there are some good RFAs too. Uh, if Calgary wants to go the offer sheet route or trade, yeah, yeah I guess um, they could offer sheet. So it, it, unless unless they really swing and miss uh, next off season, and you've got contracts like Lindholm and uh, Toffoli entering the final year, and your team's not looking so good then maybe I can't contemplate the rebuild. But I'm not rebuilding just because Matthew Kachuk, yeah, just because there's an event that takes place and Matthew Kachuk doesn't want to play for them. I, I wouldn't at that point say, well, time to rebuild. Right, right. I think it would, I think it would be too soon for, for anyone to say that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right, we have to get going, though, because we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah we do. Uh, I, I didn't even mention the fact that uh, I mean okay one last thing uh, Philly uh, Philly uh, reportedly according to Elliot Friedman uh, Philly was Goudreau's top choice he grew up a Philly fan a Flyers fan he's like um, like Flyers are to Goudreau as um, Patria, um as uh, Toronto is to Tavares uh, type of thing. Um, and, um, he was disappointed, uh, he, he thought that Philly, that the Flyers were going to make an offer on Goudreau, um, 
and he would have taken like less um less just to play for the flyers um but um it turns out that the flyers at no point were interested in him which kind of actually speaks to his whole career we were uh both me and steve were i showed steven uh a video of Gaudreau's career so far and it kind of fits his narrative too of like he he's an undersized forward and his whole career um he's been proving play, people wrong and it's like kind of like Columbus in yeah a way. It, it kind of like Columbus so it fits his whole thing of like no one believed in us and he proved them wrong and type of thing so it is kind of fitting that he he signed with Columbus from that standpoint um but, like, this is a, another example, too. It's just, like, even when Gaudreau desperately wanted to be on the Flyers to the point where he would take less. I mean, and he ended up doing it for Columbus, but... Um, they even took Tony D'Angelo yeah, before this fight. Right, right, right. But, like, Flyers were still not interested in this. And they go out, like, not only that, but they go out and get TDA, as you're mentioning. They have a coach, John Tortorella... Um, like we were thinking like because I remember when we were thinking when uh when Goudreau would test the market I, I remember looking at the Flyers cap situation and I was just like wait a second the Flyers like it was kind of like a little strange anyways because the Flyers are far from a contender so it's just but like you're thinking like okay maybe it's the John Tavares type thing it's just like it's his favorite team or whatever uh, they'll make room. By but the then, way, at the yeah. moment of this recording, they're over the cap by 98 grand. Just <laughs> but, like, they go out and get John Tortorella, who's, who's not a rebuilding type of uh, coach. Uh, they go out and get um, they get uh, uh, Tony D'Angelo. Um, and, and, like, you know, they sign, uh, you know, last year they have uh, Couturier uh, signed up. Uh, Kevin Hayes has a long-term contract for them. They have JVR, who's not doing anything. Uh, so I, I guess extended Ristolainen yeah. mid-season. Ristolainen's another one, yeah. So it's just like, like, and then all of a sudden, so I, I guess they they were like, you know, action speaks louder than word. It is very true. They were never interested in Johnny Gaudreau because like they probably could have like if they were truly interested in them. They wouldn't have made the Ristolainen deal last year. They wouldn't have made the Kevin Hayes deal a, a long time ago. Like, they, you know, you have to plan this out if they truly wanted Johnny Gaudreau to come here, if that's if that's truly the case. But, like, su supposedly, according to Friedman, Gaudreau, like, hoped that the Flyers would somehow make room for him. They never did. But this kind of just shows how, like, you know, messed up the Flyers are. To the, like, just imagine, like, turning down a 115-point guy just because he's 5'7". <laughs> like, I, I, I truly believe that it, it might be just that the... Or 5'9", sorry. Um, you know, <laughs> might no, as well be 5'7". Didn't they also turn down a Dabrinka tree? Yeah, Dabrinka, yeah. Overall? But I, I truly believe that it's... I, I think it's 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 very much less like a... I, I, I don't think that they like a small small player which is kind of funny when you think about it because they they had Danny Briere they had Chris Drury who are both short guys um so so maybe it is like a thing where they just don't like short players <laughs> um and even as someone as talented as Gaudreau and Debrinkat um but at, at the same time I think that's also a blessing in disguise because when we were thinking about it it's just like 
are the Flyers truly a contender if they get Johnny Gaudreau? And I don't think they are. Um, yes, Couturier was out for the season, and, and you have Ryan Ellis, who um, who might who's who's getting healthy again. But or Ryan Ellis is another one um, who has a lot like a, a large contract with them. But like, um, and Kevin Hayes is a good player. Uh, Joel Therapy um, could be something, um, and Cam York is another one. But like, I don't know. I, I guess it's. Um, like, I, I don't think that that truly puts them over the edge. I mean, I guess it's a similar situation with Columbus, too, but it's just, like, at least that's more understandable. Um, so, so it is another, like, blessing in disguise, because I, but, like, at the same time, it's just, like, I don't know what the Flyers were doing. It's just, like, come on, man. <laughs> like, like, Johnny Gaudreau, he's the best college player of all time, and, um, and, they, and they're, they're not interested in him at all. It's just... What what are they doing? Come on. Should also be noted uh, that uh, Cutter Kochu they just drafted yeah. and Tyson Forster also have a lot of hype. So they True. they have some pieces. Owen Tippett too. They also have Morgan Frost who hasn't established himself yep. yet. Bobby Bring too. They got Owen Tippett in the Giroux trade. So yeah, they did. Yes. Yep. Um. So yeah. So whether or not Johnny Gaudreau makes the Flyers better. Uh, by the way, it should be noted that they signed Nick Delorier to a four-year contract. Yeah. He's six foot three and weighs two hundred nineteen pounds, so Jeez. not a small board. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I that's just the board. route that they're going. It's just they they don't yeah. like the short forwards. So um, to to add um, to add to your point about the Flyers and the Gaudreau fit. First of all, you don't even know if Johnny Gaudreau would fit John Tortorella's system. Sure. Second of all, you don't really know if he can keep up this level of production. And if you're going to pay him like it, and you realize, okay, our team isn't as strong, maybe we need to retool. Oh, yeah, we just signed him to that contract. Oh, my God, we're paying him a lot of money. Um, this will be a pain to trade away. <laughs> uh, some Sometimes... The deals or the signings that you don't make end up being the right ones. And yeah. not because Johnny Gaudreau is a bad player. It's But there is an argument that can be made that not every single player is going to be the right fit for every single team. And that being said, James Van Riemsdyk and his $7 million cap are going to be off the books next yeah. year. Travis Sanheim costs $4.675 million. He's a UFA after next year as well. Uh, and you got two more years of Carter Hart before he's an RFA again. Um, and, of course, the Couturier and Ellis contracts are a lot. Um, I guess you could make some trades. Maybe Travis Konechny is, uh, could be a trade option. Maybe Joel Farabee is a trade option. Maybe Scott Lawton is a trade option. There are a lot of unknowns with the Philadelphia Flyers. And... They haven't played a game with John Tortorella. So I think that the patient game, the waiting game, is the right move for Philly if you don't really know what exactly your team is. You may think you have a good roster, but with this current coach that you signed to a four-year deal to coach this team, I think you need at least a year to see who are the weak links in John Tortorella's system that maybe you need to move on from. Who are the slam dunk? We got to keep this guy. He's a solid fit in the system. He's a great player. He's going to be a great player for a long time. He's he's a he's a sure thing. 
let's keep him around. And then the rest, you just figure it out as you go and in accordance with however much cap space that you have at the time. So I think Philly is going to just play it out, see what they have. Hopefully Tortorella can turn this team around. And if they can't, reevaluate their options after a full season. Um, because I feel if Philly is going to make some changes, they are going to be seismic. And they're going to involve some noble parts of this roster. And I think signing Johnny Goudreau would have been a bad move just because you're not really sure what this team is going to be and you're not really sure how much Johnny Goudreau is going to uh, improve this roster. And I don't think, honestly, he would have improved it very much. Maybe they get seven or eight more points in the standings, but... I don't really know if he moves the needle. And I'm not really sure offensively, again, like I said before, how he fits into towards the scheme, uh, which is another factor. If you're going to pay a guy to get 110-plus points and he does all the right things, but he's getting you 80 to 90 points, yeah. and you're paying him like he's the second-best player behind Connor McDavid, like yeah. that that looks like an overpay. Yeah. Even if he does all the right things, it looks like an overpay. Yeah. So, um, in, in high, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think the Flyers might benefit from this move, move because they would have had to do a lot to make it work. The other thing is, I still think Chuck Fletcher should be gone. Yep. Because management trusted him with making the necessary changes, investing the amount of any amount of money necessary to turn this ship around. He didn't do that, but. They shouldn't have given him that chance in the first place. So before he makes any other major moves, Chuck Fletcher should be out of here. I, uh, I, I just don't yeah. trust him to lead the Philadelphia Flyers turnaround because the one because previous offseason they gave True. him the free reigns to spend money. Players he did, and it did hardly. Yeah, no, I I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, Chuck Fletcher doesn't deserve to. Uh, be the GM anymore, but like I, I guess on the other hand, it's just like he he's still, um, yeah. I don't know what they're actually doing because like you think that they're rebuilding, but then all of a sudden they hire Torts, and then they hire or they sign TDA, so that that part just doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, I guess I guess yeah. the point when, of that, when the fans chant for your firing, that's yeah. that's when you know right. Exactly, exactly. But like I, I feel like the, if, if anyone knows to deliver a message pretty vocally, yeah. it's Philly fans. I will say though that the fans were booing, I think because of they wanted Goudreau. Um so that that had more to do with that. But yeah, I mean he should be fired for more than just that reason. Um Well, I think it's just the combination of oh you yeah, you were you were able to commit to these guys, but right. Johnny Hockey, nah, no thanks. Right, right, right. But like as 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 both of us were saying, it's just like I don't know if Gaudreau makes the team that much better. So and maybe it purely was a, um, a just like they 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 were going in a different direction where they they don't love those uh, short guy speedy guys who get forty goals <laughs> and a hundred points. Um, so uh, as evidenced by the different cat thing too. So at the end of the day, those guys get forty goals and a hundred points. Yes. Yeah. And- Philly needs offense, so. Right, 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 yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, but, yeah. They're I mean, all about results in Philly. Right. You get it done or you don't. 
Yeah, but but yeah, but like you just can't be. You have to be taller than six feet um, in order to play. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good you are. You just have to be taller than six. Yeah, all the five ten, five elevens yeah. are depressed. Yeah. Like, no, no. Yeah. Away. Screw them. Yeah. Um, all right, we do. We do actually have to get going because we have a lot yeah. to talk about. No. I mean, it, it was yeah. it was the big topic. It had a lot of yeah, layers, so of course, it, it deserved yeah. the amount of coverage. Of course, of course. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't the biggest seismic shift. Yeah. There were other layers. Sure, sure. Uh, but we'll be we'll be quick with all the other ones. We promise. Yeah, we'll be we'll be yeah. quicker with all the other ones. Okay, so uh, Carolina made some some big trades. Uh, they also signed uh, Andre Palat. Uh, sorry, Andre Cache, um, who who's a nice a decent depth move for them, but. That's not the move I'm talking about. Uh, they have uh, Brent Burns. They get Brent Burns and Lane Peterson from the Sharks uh, for Stephen Lawrence, Etu, Mackie Niemi, and a 2023 third-round pick. Um, it's an, a conditional pick. Uh, that condition is San Jose will receive the lower of either Carolina's 23 third-round pick or Philadelphia's third-round pick. So that's pretty nice. Um, they also go out and get Max Pacioretty from Vegas. They also get Dylan Coughlin. Um, and Carolina doesn't even trade anything. Future Considerations, who gets traded all the time. The classic Vegas yeah, card. Exactly. So, uh, so, yeah, this is kind of interesting. For, like, yeah, both Burns and Pacioretty aren't what they used to be. Um, I think that's pretty clear. But on the other hand, it's like you know the Carolina doesn't have TDA anymore. There, when you look at there, we're going to start off with Brent Burns. But um, when you look at uh, when you look at their defensive roster, we were talking about this last week. Uh, you know they don't have TDA, but they have Jacob Slavin. They have Brady Shea, and nothing to knock on Brett Pesci. Um, not to knock any of those guys that I just mentioned, but they're not offensive defensemen. Uh, they're phenomenal shutdown defensemen, but they 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 they're and they you know especially Brady Shea he can he can make offensive moves when when needed, but he's not a Dougie Hamilton. He's not uh, a Tony D'Angelo, um, and and then they get a guy who we know what he's capable of. Um, in Brent Burns, and maybe that's all he needs is a change of scenery, and and maybe we do get, and he's on a better team now, so maybe we do get to see what Brent Burns is capable, or like he has a bounce back season on a new team, and and it's just a change of scenery that was needed. So I I really like that trade. They didn't really trade that many people off either. Um, Mac and Miami could be a, a decent goalie in the future for them uh, for the Sharks. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not necessarily like, you know, he, you know, you never know with goalies, um, especially prospects. So, so that they didn't trade a whole lot out of them, which is kind of a shame because we know what Brent Burns is capable of. Um, and the Sharks could have gotten a lot more out of him, but at the same time, it's just like, okay, they, they didn't, um, get a ton off. Also, I should mention that, uh, 34% is retained from the Brent Burns deal, so even better for Carolina. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that that's... Uh, I, li- I like that move, especially for Carolina. I feel like the Sharks could have gotten more for Brent Burns, but, uh, but yeah, at the same time, Brent Burns isn't what he used to be, so I totally get why 
he was less than what he was um, worth, usually. Um, and also, the Sharks will be okay. They have Eric Carlson in the mix and Ryan Merkley, um, who's another power play specialist. So, um, and, and the Sharks are in rebuild mode, so it's like they, they just get whatever they can out of Brent Burns um, and his uh, cap situation. So that, that was a good move for them. Um, and then, uh, and then we have one of the otter trades here. Um, Max Petretti goes to Carolina, um, and then Dylan Coughlin, which I think might actually be the future considerations from uh, for for Vegas. Uh, but um, but yeah, this was an interesting move because when we, we knew that Vegas was going to make a cap dump move, um, but I was expecting that like maybe that means that it's going to be. Um, well, I guess they eventually did trade off um, Dadanoff, but I thought that like would mean that Riley Smith would be going, or that would mean that Jonathan March or so maybe you trade off, but like you don't trade off Pacioretty. That that feels a little strange too, because it's like the whole reason why you get Jack Eichel is so that you can pair him with um, uh, Stone and Patches. Um, and it's kind of just a weird thing where they, like, I was looking forward to the patches Eichel stone line, and we never get to see that. Because um, not, no, three of them were never healthy at the same time last season. Right. So that, that's the part where it's a, kind of a shame. But at the same time, it's just like, I guess that's how they do it. What is funny, though, is that they immediately sign Riley Smith uh, to a three-year, $5 million deal and they're over the cap over the cap again (laughs) yeah i mean it's not as bad as they'll probably have to make at least two more trades yeah they probably will but it's like they're still over the cap which is it's just fun like it is less like it's 1.3 over the cap but it is just funny um so it is good for carolina i think we're like yeah patrick hasn't been as good as he used to be or what we expect him to be but at the same time, he's a, he's a decent guy. He'll provide – he has one more year left um, and before he's a UFA again. And, um, yeah, he can – maybe he goes to Calgary. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's um, it, it, it's not, like, a bad move. I, I like that trade for them as well. Um, and it, particularly when we were, like, talking about with Carolina – like, uh, I, I think it's, like, not to knock Aho or Sveshnikov or Terabinen. It's, like, yeah, they're, they're great players. But they, they're no one that, like, kind of, like, knocks their socks off type of players. And uh, Pacioretty, like, yeah, Pacioretty is kind of a similar player. But um, the more guys that you add like that, it's, like, it just adds to your depth of players. And, and that just makes them stronger as a team. Yeah, I mean, you look at... Um... You look at uh, Max Pacioretty, first of all, natural left winger, so that's yep. where he's going to play. Um, and it was a 10-team no-trade list, so uh, I'm sure playing on a contender obviously helps. Uh, but you look at uh, the workload they had with Vegas, uh, 40 points in 66 games uh, in his first year, 66 points in 71 games his second year, and he scores 32 goals on top of that. Uh, 24 goals and 51 points uh, in 48 games. So that was uh, last season, uh, the weird 56-game schedule. And then this year, he only played in 39 games, but he still had 19 goals and 37 points. So near a point-a-game player, 
Um, I still think he can be a 30-goal scorer, get 200-plus shots. As long as he can keep up with the speed of this Carolina team, this guy's going to be laughing. He's going to have another solid campaign, and uh, the Hurricanes are only going to benefit from that. Uh, And you also take a look at Brent Burns, as you mentioned, the retained salary. Here are his last three seasons, and people are going to say, well, it's a downgrade from what he was, but even still, his last three seasons, 12 goals, 45 points, and 70 games. Again, this is the defenseman we're talking about. Seven goals, 29 points in the 56-game season. And then this past year, 10 goals, 54 points in 82 games. Are they 60, 70, 80-point caliber Brent Burns? No, but they're still damn good. Yeah. And the reality of the situation is, and I've mentioned it countless times in the show before, Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin do all the dirty work. They keep the pucks out of the net. They provide stability to the defense. So guys like Brent Burns can run. And maybe he can't run like he used to, but he can still put up points on the board. He can still unload that lethal shot and get the odd goal here or there. He can just do his thing. He can just play hockey. And uh, I think in his late 30s, this is going to be a, a slight career resurgence of sorts for Brent Burns. And it should also be noted, uh, every year on July 1st, starting in 2017, the first year of the mega contract he signed with the Sharks, eight years, $64 million, uh, signed November 2016, he is submitting a three-team trade list every year on July 1st. And in this case... He had to approve the trade to Carolina, and he approved it. So he obviously likes what he sees from the Hurricanes and what they're doing. Uh, That's absolutely awesome to see. Like we said, Carolina and Columbus a few years ago, they weren't regarded as contenders or or legit hockey markets. And it's nice to see those teams actually snagging these guys. The other thing I would like to point out about the Carolina Hurricanes and the cap space, they benefited from having Nita Ryder's contract coming off the books and Max Domi and Vincent Trocek's uh, next year, it's going to be the case with Jake Gardner, Frederick Anderson, Antti Ranta, Andre Kasha, Jesper Faust, Jordan Stahl, and Max Pacioretty. So you're going to get probably good seasons out of a lot of those players, sometimes great. And then next year, again, in front of a heavily stacked uh supposedly heavy stacked uh talented uh frequency class of 2023 you can do it all over again you you'll have options to add because you have a lot of expiring contracts and you can decide okay we'll keep this guy around for another year or two and this this guy did well but i think we're gonna look for other options so carolina's in a pretty freaking good situation here yeah, I actually, I, I'll take back what I said about Max Pacioretty and, and Burns. It's like, yeah, they, they aren't as good as they used to be, but they did have pretty good seasons, even still. Yeah. Um, so, they, they just have to yeah. go out and play hockey. The, yeah. Like, the core pieces are already in place. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Um, so now we'll, we'll talk about the Penguins. They actually made a, a lot of new moves uh, here. Uh, so the first one, which was kind of a shock only because, uh, Malkin had said before that he was going to test free agency. And then like a minute, like a minute before free agency opens, he signs a four year deal 
worth six point one million. Um, we're still same not cap hit as Latang, by the way. Yeah, same cap hit as Latang, but for four years instead of six. Um, and they also gave him a full no move clause, yeah, like as Latang. well. So uh, there's that. Um, although, like for Malkin, it's like uh, that's understandable. Um, even even though he is thirty five years old, I do wonder if it's like a way for them to. Um, to like like appease Sidney Crosby or like Crosby put in a word for Malkin's list like Crosby just thinking like, hey buddy, um, I hear that you're gonna test free agency. I want you back, and then that's all that Malkin needed, and he's just like, all right, I'm gonna stay for for four years, and that's essentially <laughs> the rest of his career. Um, but it should also be yeah. known that cap hits for both Latang and Malkin are yeah. less than their previous deals, especially in Malkin's case. Malkin, I think it was like nine point five. Yeah. So he actually, so he actually took less money on top True. of that. Yeah. Um, which is why the no move clause is relevant here because True. you know no, that's if point. it doesn't work out in Pittsburgh, at least he wants to call a shot where he goes. Yeah. Next. No, that's a good point. Uh, Raquel, actually, um, I don't know if we mentioned this on the other show, but um, no, we didn't. Uh, or I don't know if it even happened on the other show, but uh, yeah, he signs a five-year, five million, or sorry, six-year, five million deal as well, um, and an 18 no trade list. So, um, so practically a no movement clause, but not really. Yeah. Um, and then um, I'll just go over the, the all the moves that Pittsburgh did make, and then um, you can you can talk about them. Um, and then, uh, yeah, they also, uh, oh, they signed Alex Nylander. I didn't know that. Uh, that's interesting. But then we, uh, we'll we talk about the trades that they made on Saturday. Uh, they traded uh, John Marino to the Devils, and they got back Ty Smith and a third-round pick uh, in 23, which is a nice one. And then the next move, like maybe like an hour later, they trade uh, Michael Matheson and a 23 fourth round pick to Montreal, and they get back Jeff Petrie and Ryan Pooling. Um, Ty Smith is an interesting pick uh, from John Marino. Um, apparently, or what I was reading up on this, it was that Ty Smith was great offensively last year, um, and then he kind of slowed down towards the end. And then this past year, he just failed defensively. Um, so, um, and then John Marino was kind of the opposite, where he was also great offensively to start uh, his career in the NHL, but then um, he started to round out his game, and, and now he's a great shutdown defender. Um, and, um, yeah, so, so he goes to the Devils. Um, the Devils, you know, they have Dougie Hamilton. They have... Um, Damon Severson as well, who's a, a kind of an underrated defenseman. Um, and they also, you know, they'll have Luke who's they just drafted Simon Nemich. So it's like they can afford to lose a guy like Ty Smith, uh, particularly when he may not be as defensive responsibly as we think he is. Um, but of course, Ty Smith is, is a good um, offensive defenseman. So, so maybe they're going to miss out on that. Um, and then they, uh, Pittsburgh goes out and gets uh, Jeff Petrie, um, who's another like player who, uh, who didn't have a great season last year, but, um, but we know what he's capable of. Um, and, and yeah, this, this kind of just helps further their, their proof there. Ryan Pooling is an interesting guy, too, because he, um, he had a hat trick in his first NHL game, um, or sorry, four goals in his first NHL game. And then... 
Um, and then he kind of dissipated towards the end or like for the rest of the time and he never lived up to those expectations, um, which is fine, but like he's not even really an NHLer anymore. Um, so, um, but yeah, it, you know, it's, it's good enough just to see what, what he's capable of and, and maybe there is actually something there um, in Pittsburgh, but we'll see. Um, yeah, what, what do you think of all these, these moves that Pittsburgh has made? I think uh, keeping Malkin and Latang uh, on the bandwagon is huge, and it kind of shows that Pittsburgh is going to ride and die with this core until they're basically old men yeah. and can no longer skate. Um, keeping Ricard Raquel, I would say, at that price is a pretty freaking good bargain. Uh, he's going to be a solid top six forward long term for them, uh, in theory. Um, it depends on the states of their team and and how the Latang and Malkin contracts age and where Crosby is at in his career. Um, it's where we get to the trades where I really started to come around and think to myself, that regression is probably going to be delayed another year. And I've said it on the show many times, they're going to regress. Watch out. Here yep. it comes. Here comes the regression. They're going to miss the playoffs. And every time I say it, they say, ah, psych, we're making the playoffs. Deal with it. And they're probably going to do it again. Um, these two series of trades, I think, Pittsburgh upgraded their defense. For for the here and now, they've upgraded their defense. Uh, John Marino, like you said, good shutdown guy. Um, and maybe makes the Devils better from, on that standpoint. But they gave up freaking Ty Smith. Like, yeah. people forget the offensive hype around this guy when he first entered the league as a rookie. Yeah. And yes... The defensive concerns are concerns, but they can be fixed. And he's on a team that I think can give him the time necessary to kind of grow and develop that raw talent and use it wisely and refine his defensive skills. Like, he's probably going to be mentored by freaking Chris Letang, and he's probably going to turn into the next Chris Letang at best. At worst, maybe he's Justin Schultz, a solid secondary option for offense. And, you know what, if you get that, like, I would call that a win if you're Pittsburgh. Um, and then the Jeff Petrie deal, um, you get a guy that can get 40-plus points for you on the blue line, plus some all-around defense, takes a bit of the pressure off Latang, which is good. He's 34 years old uh, at the moment uh, as well, so age might be a bit of a concern there. But uh, they gave up Mike Matheson's uh, term which is interesting. John Marino and Michael Matheson were given long-term deals only a few seasons ago. Those are now off the books, so they have a bit more term, uh, long-term uh, cap flexibility there by getting rid of those contracts. And before you say, why the heck would Mike Matheson want to go to Montreal? Well, he's from Montreal. He's going home. That's why. Um, so it's easier to uh, pull that off. They're, they're losing a class, uh, five, class A five-star human being in Mike Matheson, but um, I I do think that cap it was probably going to hold Pittsburgh back in terms of what they could do to improve their roster for the short term. So now that they have gotten rid of that, they have Petrie on the blue line, and then the sweetener on top of that, you get get Ryan Paling in the mix. Um, I, I feel like Ryan Paling has untapped potential and maybe develops into a Brandon Tanev like forward for the Penguins. A guy that's a pain in the butt to play against, but has offensive upside. We're in a bottom six role. He could really, really thrive for the Penguins. So um, 
Yeah, I, I, I like the upside for those trades for the Penguins, and uh, for the short term, they got better. Yeah, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I do. That is a good point about Latang mentoring uh, Ty Smith and Petrie mentoring Ty Smith. So that could be something where it's like he has enough in space. But like I, I, I think it's like yeah, you're you're saying like why would the Devils trade Ty Smith? It's like it's pretty clear. It's because they have Dougie, they have Luke Hughes, <laughs> and they're about to like you know Simon Nemec if he. Uh, yeah turns out as well as he can like that's that's the true reason it's just because they they have a lot of defense offensive defensemen that they don't they don't need ty smith anymore so um, it, it's one of those trades where like if they get what they want out of john yeah. marino then it works out for them but still right. i feel like ty smith is going to develop into that player and new jersey fans are going to look back and hindsight it's just like man john marino is one yeah. heck of a player and we're glad to have him but man uh, we could have used Ty Smith in the lineup. I don't. Yeah, that <laughs> I. Blossoms into a 50 or 60 point a year guy. That I still I mean, disagree every team with. Every would want that on their team. True, but that I still disagree with. It's like I mean, mm. if if you, like, because like it, it all I just, really. I just yeah. hate to give up a prospect uh, highly touted as him after just two years. That's that's just my that's just yeah, my but take. but like it's like you get like. It, it like if if Luke Hughes wasn't drafted by the Devils and if Simon Nemec wasn't drafted by the Devils, they don't make this trade. Yeah. Like like I yeah true. And and I I think it's like yeah you're you're probably upset if Ty Smith ends up being a fifty or sixty defenseman points defenseman, but at the same time it's like Luke Hughes is probably going to be that and or or Simon Nemec is probably going to be that. So it's like that that's truly why you're doing that. Um, and, yeah, and Dougie I Hamilton suppose. is cu- currently that. So um, it's, like, it's yeah. like Tampa Bay trading JT Miller to Vancouver. It's like, oh man, we're right. gonna look so awesome with JT Miller. Yeah, we went to cups. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of which, Matt Murray goes to Toronto, um, and uh, also a twenty-three third-round pick and a twenty-four seventh-round pick from Ottawa. Um, and auto, uh, future considerations is is pretty busy, I guess. <laughs> He's uh, that's what Ottawa gets. Uh, they get He's nothing. Doing God's work. Yeah, exactly. Um, Matt Murray. Uh, this one, I like. We didn't. We kind of talked about this in the chats. Um, Matt Murray was. This was interesting, just because from the standpoint that at this time, Sam Sonoff, who Toronto eventually ends up getting, he wasn't uh, qualified by Toronto, um, and, um, he, uh, or sorry, by, by Washington at the time, so they, uh, Toronto had no clue if, um, that he would be available, um, and, and then you're thinking, like, okay, so they get Matt Murray, um, he didn't have a great, like, he didn't have a good season this year, last season either, um, and if he's not good for Ottawa, no offense, Steve, he's probably not going to be good enough in the NHL. And, um, yeah, I guess, obviously, he did win those two Cups, and he was a big reason why Pittsburgh won those two Cups at the time. So there is something to be said for that. But at the same time, it's just like he's clearly not that goalie anymore. Um, And um, so it's like if you're going to rely on Matt Murray to, to be that, you're like... It's just like one of the more riskier moves, you know, and um, and yeah, there is something to be said. Is like you never know with goalies, and 
particularly with Samsonov too, is just they aren't, you know, like both of them have shown potential of what they can be. Um, Samsonov, by the way, uh, signed for a one-year, $1.8 million deal for them. Um, so, so that's, like, decent. But I don't know. I, I feel like I would... What, what's weird, though, is, is that they traded Peter Mrazek um, in the draft. Um, they weren't going to sign Jack Campbell, who ends up going to Edmonton. We'll talk about him in a second. Um, and, and this one is just, like, it's just strange. It's like, I would rather have, like, yeah, uh, but, like, Peter Mrazek, uh, by the way, is cheaper than Matt Murray is. So it's just, like, if you just take the Matt Murray deal... And, like, solely, this does makes no sense for Toronto to do. It's just, like, why why Matt Murray? Um, and, and, yeah, I know that he, Matt Murray has a rapport with Kyle Dubas, and maybe that's why he does it, and uh, Toronto's defense is better than Ottawa's defense. But I, I get the sense that this is going to blow up on, in Toronto's faces, and that's something that Kyle Dubas can't afford to do. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I truly, this is one of the most baffling things that I've, I've seen. And, yeah, maybe they, they deserve some credit for, for signing Ilya Samsonov. But I, I and, and maybe, Matthew, maybe I'm wrong and Matthew Murray, <laughs> Matthew Murray, Matt Murray wins the Masterton or something like that. But, um, and, and he is good and I'm wrong. It's just, like, like this Toronto team like, hasn't made the playoff, like, hasn't made the second round in, since the lockout, um, the original lockout, <laughs> when, when the whole yeah. season was canceled, and, like, you're gonna rely on a guy who hasn't even had a, like, a sub-900 save percentage in the last three years, like, what, what, what is Toronto doing? I, I truly, I, I'm baffled by what, what's, what's going on there, um, and this is coming from a Bruins fan. Like, I, I, sh- I should hate Toronto. It's just, I, I don't get what they're doing. We talk crap about Matt Murray, but just you wait. When the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs meet each other in the playoffs, Matt Murray's probably going to have tool whoever's in the Ottawa net. Presumptuous to assume that center. Ottawa is making the playoffs, but yes. <laughs> Whenever it happens, I just envision just like the karma is like, hey, remember me? Yeah. I'm on the other team now, and I just beat you guys. You yeah, know, I, guess, I guess that now. is possible, yeah, if he has like a chip on his head. I'm just in a hockey karma mode. It's yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, we, we, we think this is a great move now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see about that. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say, yes, it has a potential to blow up in Kyle Dewis's face, but it also might not, and I'll explain both sides here. By the way, uh, I feel like I should mention Matt Murray used to play for the Sioux Greyhounds. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I, I thought I, I did mention it. Al Dubas keeps getting former Sioux Greyhounds. I think I mentioned that, but I, I maybe I didn't. Yeah, okay. Well, it need to be mentioned twice. Okay. <laughs> uh, Matt Murray's a former member of the Sioux Greyhounds. Yeah. That Dubas uh, GM for yes. And if and if uh, Darno Nurse was available, he'd probably get him too. Yep. Uh, but anyway, the debate for another time. Um. Matt Murray is an interesting goaltender because he couldn't start off his NHL career any better with those two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh, technically as a rookie for both of those years. And in the years after that, 
a couple seasons after that, he was still a 31 caliber goalie in the regular season, but the playoff success wasn't there. He had, uh, I think, uh, some concussion problems in the past as well. And um, then after getting usurped by Tristan Jerry, at some point in the 2019-20 season, he gets moved to Ottawa. And immediately the Sens sign him to a four-year deal at $6.25 million. They retain 25% of Matt Murray's salary in order to get this deal done. And like you said, Ottawa gets nothing in return. And they even give up a third and a seventh on top of that as a sweetener for Toronto to take that contract. The thing with Matt Murray is I think he is a goaltender that can thrive if he's in the right system. Not every single goalie can just go into any market and just put up W's like it's nothing. Not every single goalie is Andre Vasilevsky. It, 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 sometimes it takes time. And sometimes it takes the right situation for a goalie to really thrive. Like, look at Darcy Kemper on the Arizona Coyotes. Do you think he's expected to get much success in that market with the way their team is playing? Uh, the way they went out to the Avalanche in 2020, the way they missed the playoffs uh, the following year. And then he goes to the Colorado Avalanche and has a career year. And, and we'll talk more about Darcy later. But, again, if you put a goalie in the right market, he can get you victories. And I think Matt Murray can be a 30-win goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs because they have Jake Musson on the back end. They have TJ Brody on the back end. They have the right system. And they have lots of goal scorers and lots of playmakers. And they have leadership as well. I just don't think he had the system in Ottawa, the right recipe to really get hot and stay hot. There were times where he showed glimpses of that 31 goalie but then he'd have a couple of bad starts, or he'd get hurt, which is more, which was more commonplace in Ottawa. And the momentum he gained was gone. And it took him a while to bounce back, then he bounces back, and then watch rinse repeat. And the real calling card for the Sens is when Anton Forsberg goes out there in front of that same defense, plays phenomenal hockey against top teams, gives Ottawa a chance to win every single night, and his numbers are by far and away better than Matt Murray's. Probably at that point, Ottawa is just like, okay, if we have a chance to move on from this guy, maybe that's probably best. And I think when they tried to move him to Buffalo, I felt, you know what? I'd be fine with Matt Murray as the starting goaltender for the Sens, as a Sens fan. Uh, but I think we're in too deep, and maybe both sides should just move on. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did in this deal. Um, I, I just, again, I, I think he can bounce back. I like the gamble for Elias Samsonov. I felt as yeah. soon as he became available that he would either go to Toronto or Ottawa, ends up going to Toronto on a one-year prove-it deal. Maybe he's the goalie of the future beyond Matt Murray. And to the point about Jack Campbell and whether or not they should have just kept him, money wasn't the issue for Jack Campbell. Apparently it was term. He wanted five years. Toronto wouldn't go there. And Matt Murray's got two years left on his deal. The one risk for Kyle Dubas, I will say, is you're taking it, you're taking this tandem for at least this year, maybe next year. And in two years, Austin Matthews is a free agent. Right. And this is the goaltending tandem you're going to go with. And if it blows up in your face and Matthews leaves for another market, then you're going to look pretty dumb and that might be it for you in Toronto. Right. However, the counter argument I will say is okay, so you don't get Matt Murray. Who are you trading for? Yeah. Kemper and Campbell are essentially the best options on the open market. They're not going to Toronto. We know Jack Campbell is gone from 
Toronto. We know that um, there might be some tampering on Edmonton's part. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> There's temper that eventually went to Washington. Are you going to get Martin Jones? Is he really the answer? Is Aaron Dell the answer? What they, I mean, not? what they should have done is they should have traded for Cam Talbot, but he ended up going to um, yeah, Ottawa. Yeah, they could have traded for Cam Talbot and. Maybe there's a trade for Mackenzie Blackwood in the picture. Yeah, but, but Blackwood's I, another one. Those yeah. are the only two goalies where I would consider the least making a trade. And Cam Talbot might be the likeliest option when you consider the price tag Ottawa got for yeah. him. And you consider that uh, Talbot wasn't satisfied with being the 1B to the 1A situation with Mark Henry Fleury. Yeah. But if they go for Blackwood. I would think the return is going to be a lot more in demand for the Devils. They're going to ask for a lot more. That so I'm not I, necessarily I, I, sure. I think this is the, honestly this is the best they could have done. That uh, I don't. That I disagree with because they could have. I mean, first off, I I I don't know. Like, I feel like yeah, they're a cap strapped team. Like, I I feel like they should. Like, I know that Jack Campbell like had a poor end of the last. Uh, last season, but he's still a pretty good goalie, and I would rather have Jack Campbell than um, Matt Murray or Samsonov. Um, so I, I think that would that was actually the move. Is just suck it up and uh, sign Campbell for five by five. Um, but I know that they're cash strapped anyways, <laughs> even with all the moves that they made. Um, so so that's I, I guess it's a little dicey. Um, yeah, and I, I do like the Samsonov move so like it, it does make some some sense uh but like you know at the same time sam sonoff had a, a had a poor season last season as well but i don't know maybe he needs like a change of scenery or something like that it's just i don't know i i feel like it's interesting too just because like toronto two years ago had freddie anderson and jack campbell then they move on from freddie and get Mrazek, and then uh, Campbell was good for the first half, and then Mrazek was never good, and then and now they have Matt Murray and Sam Sonoff, who are even more of a risky move for them. Um, so it's just I don't know. It, it, it feels like they're not. Um, I, I I don't know what they're doing, but yeah, you do bring up a good point about Mason Blackwood. Um, maybe they do try to. They they could still trade him if if. Um, if Samsonov and Murray are still bad uh, this season, and that's like their their last shot of, of it or something, because uh, but I don't know. Yeah, the the health is going to be the concern for yep. Murray, and you, I'm not really sure if he's the playoff goalie that he was. But at the very least, if he's good and he's healthy, he'll get you 30 plus wins. So I'm not worried about the results True. point. I'm more concerned about the health point for Matt Murray and I think he's in a system he knows the goalie coaching staff in Toronto yeah. um, and I think I think he I think he's going to have a lot better success in, in Toronto than in Ottawa I also, it just didn't work out in Ottawa plain I, yeah no I mean that's fair but I, I, I don't know I guess it's just more that like Ottawa like Toronto didn't get more out of it because it's like this is like, a, like uh, Toronto's doing Ottawa a favor in this sense so it's like I don't know. That, that part's also a little strange, too, but whatever. In fairness, we took Nikita Zaitsev's contract off their hands, so True. as far as I'm concerned, the Sens, uh, the, yeah. the Leafs owed Ottawa ones. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe that is the the, the um, 
the future considerations. Um, That's the IOU. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Edmonton gets Campbell. We just mentioned that it was five point five five by five. Um, well, I, I like this move. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of Jack Campbell. Although I guess like at the same sense, going back to Toronto, like you know Jack Campbell was like might have been a bust if he didn't go to Toronto. So maybe something's there, but um, but yeah, I, I like this move for Edmonton, um, and yeah, I, I think this is a, a good move for them. I guess the thing with Jack Campbell is, is if he can be consistent and not get injured for a full 82 seasons, um, because at the moment they don't like Edmonton doesn't have another backup goalie. Um, it's just it's yeah. Just it should Campbell. be noted, Mike Smith's going to be on LTIR, yep. and their Plan Bs are currently Stuart Skinner and Calvin Pickard. Right, right, right. So, so that is a bit of a concern, but I do like that one. Uh, they also signed Evander Kane. Uh, there was some concern that they weren't going to sign him, but they signed him for a four-year deal worth five point one two five million. Um, so that's yeah, that's an interesting move, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, hope like. Uh, Understandably, if he plays, if he's not getting suspended or he doesn't go to jail, um, this is a good move for them because he, he did play really well to his credit. Um, I, I don't think there's any question that Evander Kane is talented and um, can play hockey. I think the, the more questionable thing is all the stuff that he does off the ice. Um, but yeah, so I mean, as, and it seems like uh, they're, they're okay with it. And it also appears that they gave him a no movement clause, so um, they're kind of screwed if he um, if he uh, does this. Except for the last year, it's a uh, sixteen team trade list, um, but <laughs> but the first three is a no movement. Yeah. Uh, Ken Holland. Yeah. You never cease to amaze us. Uh, again. The talent level of Evander Kane has not been put into question. Yep. 22 goals in 43 games this year proves that, along with 39 points, and in the playoffs he gets 13 goals in 15 games. If he's on McDavid's line, he'll probably get 50 goals next year. Again, not the problem. It's the off-ice stuff. It's the white elephant in the room. Right. And the Edmonton Oilers are paying him for the next four years, hoping that doesn't bite them in the ass. And frankly, for their sake, I hope it doesn't, because it easily could. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, um, other quick things here. I guess we kind of glanced over it, but Kemper signs in Washington. Um, this one's also kind of interesting just from the standpoint that um, they get um, it's a it's a five year deal, five point two five million per. But they don't ha- like they they traded away uh, Vanacek. They also didn't uh, qualify Samsonov. Um, so now it's just Kemper and Charlie Lindgren um, as their two goalies. So and they gave Lindgren a three-year contract. Yeah. So they're obviously convinced he's going to be the I mean, plan B, which he I, was, I'm not necessarily in agreement with. He was decent when. Um, uh, when he played for St. Louis this past year, but yeah, it's, it is a little strange, but, um, yeah, the track record beyond that though is a bit suspect, but at the same time, it's just to like, be fair, he didn't really yeah. get a chance. So at the same time, it's 1.1 million for three years. So it's like, even, so let's say he yeah. does, he does work out. It's like, that's, that's pretty nice. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. 
I'm also noticing here next next offseason, uh, six of the seven defensemen for Washington are our free agents. <laughs> yeah, I also noticed that. That is insane. I mean, there's no one special because it's not John Carlson, but Orloff, Jensen. Dimitri Orloff's a pretty big piece for that team. Yeah, I guess that's true, but he's 30 years old. Um, Nick Jensen, TBR, Gustafson, Ferveri, who's an RFA, so they'll keep him at least, um, and Matt Matt Irwin. But (laughs) they also have. They also have a lot of UFAs on Fords. Yeah, it's nice and yeah. Brandon Hathaway, Connor Sheary. By the way, they got Connor Brown from Ottawa, and they yep. also kept Marcus Johansson. We'll talk about Dylan Strom in a second, but yeah, he's uh, he's also there. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a bit of a gamble considering that um, the one thing about Kemper that concerned me is that um, he had an eye issue during the playoffs, and he yes. was going to see an optometrist multiple times a week so that it didn't really affect his playing. Like, he had to retrain his eyes. If that issue persists, I'm concerned if I'm the Caps. But, I mean, if he continues um, his trajectory from this past year, it's a, it's a good gamble. Um, but they're, they're, really, um, they're really betting the farm on uh, that uh, Kemper and Lindgren tandem. And even then, I'm not really sure if it uh, gets them out of the first round because yeah. uh, the Nick Baxter injury is still there. Tom Wilson's also banged up, too. True. Um, so there are a lot of unknowns heading into the year, but I still think on paper the Caps are a decent team. So Kemper should get minimum thirty wins, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not a bad that's not a bad assumption there. Um, Sergei, Ch- I, I I included this one just purely because it, it is a funny uh, coincidence, but uh, Burakovsky signs with Seattle. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a five-year, $5.5 million. So that's that's nice for them. Um, yeah, I do wonder if it, like, maybe Burakovsky's thinking, like, oh, they get Shane Wright, I'm going to sign there. Um, but, um, so, like, the Shane Wright effect. But uh, there's also, what, what's interesting is, is that uh, Burakovsky wins the cup, um, and then he joins um, in Washington, and then he joins his former teammate, Grubauer, um, in Colorado, then he wins the cup on his last year again in Colorado, and then he goes to where Grubauer is um, in Seattle. So this is the second time this has happened, and and then I guess that means that um, I guess it uh, will it happen again because Gru oh Grubauer and Burakovsky are free agents at the same time. So never mind. But maybe Seattle wins the cup in 26-27 season, which is <laughs> the last year for Burakovsky. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, even still, like, I, I like this move for Seattle because this is, like, I, I will be curious to see what he can do when he, it, like, when he doesn't have a stacked team in front of him. Um, yeah. And he's, like, he might just be the first line's uh, left winger for them. But, uh, I mean, he was decent as a deaf player, but... I'm not yet convinced that he can be the guy um, just yet, but maybe he can, and he'll have opportunity to do so in Seattle. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I feel like the same argument could be made for Nachushkin when he signed that big deal to stay True. in Colorado. Yeah, um, that's another one. But, uh, yeah, 45 points in 58 games, 20 goals his first year with Colorado. Uh, Point-a-game player in the playoffs with 17 points in 15 games in uh, the 2020 bubble. 
44 points in 53 games, 19 goals the year after that. And then 61 points in 80 games, 22 goals, and uh, 8 points in 12 playoff games uh, during the Avs' recent run to the Stanley Cup. Those are good numbers, but like you said, Brett, on a heavily stacked uh, top six. So uh, now that you're going to a Seattle team where the depth isn't really as strong, not nearly as strong as Colorado, right? um, maybe you look at like a 50-point season from Burakovsky over in 82 games. Uh, but uh, I don't know if he's, like, pushing 30 goals or 60 points with that team just yet. I think there's still a lot of potential for Seattle. They still have a fair amount of cap space. But at the moment, um, I'm not expecting lights out numbers uh, from Burakovsky. And, you know, I'll be happy if he proves me wrong. Yep. Um, he's a very talented player. Yeah. Yeah, and he has two cups, so it's like that's not yeah. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not not a bad resume for uh, for a guy who's uh, let's see, Burakovsky's tw- only twenty seven. Yeah, not uh-huh. bad. Uh, actually, is did Grubauer win when he was in Washington? I don't think. Oh, he did. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, because Braden Holpe usurped him uh, midway through round one, that's so right. he's a spectator, but he, did. he, he got a ring. Yeah, okay, so I, I, I thought it was, like, one of those things where Grubauer leaves, and then they win the, the team wins the cup <laughs> the following year. Yeah. But that, at least he has a cup, so that, that's good. Yeah. Um, Tampa, speaking of cups, Tampa signs a lot of players um, to long-term contracts. Um, yeah. Very interesting here. Uh, so, uh, Sergachev, which was the big one, eight years, $8.5 million. Uh, per year, Sorelli gets eight years, six point two five million, and then you have Chernak, uh, eight years, five point two million. Um, they also re-sign uh, Nemes. Oh, I guess no, Nemestikov wasn't on the team last year, but um, no, no, he was a free agent. They brought him yeah, back. Yeah, but they brought him back for one year, two point five million. Um, yeah, this is um, those those three signings are are interesting. I. I don't know. I, I tend to not love when teams sign for long term, but at the same time, uh, especially for Sergachev and Sorelli, uh, they're both really, really good players. Um, and um, they're they're like you know. I mean, I know it's a lot of a lot of money for Sergachev particularly, but you know, Victor Hedman won't be the defenseman or as good as he has been. Uh, for a long time, um, and Sergachev could be the the guy, and he's only 24 years old, so um, it is a lot of money at the moment. But I could see this paying off for for them um, by a big amount. Um, Chernak, I'm I'm less excused about, but he is um, he is a quality uh, shutdown guy, um, and he's also 25 years old, so I like that move. And then Sorelli. Um, He's like, I could I could see him winning Selkies um, in his future. He's very he's very good on the faceoff dot. I, I think I read a stat to you that there was a point in the playoffs in one series where he um, I think I mu- I must have mentioned this on the show, but like um, there was a point in the playoffs where he there was no goals that were scored when he was on the ice for either team. Um, and that's just like a like that's just a credit to how good he is on um, on defense 
as well. So, um, yeah, there, there's definitely a sulky in his future, hopefully for this Bruins fan when Bergeron retires um, and, and not this year. But um, he, he does have, I mean, maybe if he can put up some points, then, yeah, then we can talk about Bergeron. But um, at, at the moment, uh, he, he doesn't score a lot of points, but he doesn't need to when you have Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, and Nikita Kucherov on your team. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Sorelli move and I like the Sergachev move. Um, it may not be worth it right now, but I think eventually it will be. Yeah, right now, I mean, you look at his point total, 40 points in 79 games as a rookie is his best point total. Uh, year two, 32 points in 75 games, 10 goals, 34 points in 70 games, uh, and he added 10 points in 25 playoff games on road to Tampa's first title in 2020. Uh, 30 points in 56 games last year. And then 38 points in 78 games this year, along with 10 points in 23 playoff games. Um, a big part of Tampa's recent success. But I should uh, point out, uh, his cap hit is larger than Victor Hedman's. 8.5 versus 7.875 and victor's got three years left on his current deal yeah um i think they're again like you said they're they're going to be paying him for upside but it does make me question um how are they going to afford a victor Hedman extension uh, yeah. after this uh steven stamkos as well um because that's a lot of term and a lot of money like mikhail sergachev year one of his deal Fortunately, there's still a full year left of his $4.8 million cap hit. Um, so they don't have to worry about uh, the payday until next year. But for the first three years of that new deal, Sergachev is getting $11.05 million per year. So, that, so right off the bat, the first three years, that's a lot of money to give to a number two defenseman. Uh, then you look at Eric Chernak, a solid shutdown defenseman. Again, uh, I don't know what it is with Tampa, but they really don't want their players getting offer sheets. So a year, a full offseason before they're expected to get paid, they just pay them then. Right. Because they did it with Braden Point. Uh, That's right. They did it with Vasilevsky, and they're doing it with these other guys now. Uh, Chernak is a reliable shutdown defenseman. I don't mind that cap hit. Um especially when you consider the cap in a few years is probably going to go up anyway. And then, like you said, Anthony Sorelli, the offensive upside is what I'm concerned about for the moment. But again, the guy's one of the best defenders at his position in the league. Um, I'm sure the offense is going to follow and to get him at that price is a bargain. Right, right, right. Um, okay. Um, there, uh, we'll we'll talk about your team here, uh, Ottawa. They made some moves. Uh, we I, we briefly mentioned Cam Talbot goes to Ottawa. That was a nice move. They trade away Philip Gustafson. Of course, they also traded away Matt Murray. Um, but so uh, their goalie tandem is um, is uh, Cam Talbot and Anton Forsberg. Um, then uh, they also signed uh, Josh Norris uh, to a big deal. Eight years, seven point nine five million, and then they also signed Claude Giroux, uh, the big one, uh, three years, six point five million, uh, with the addition of Alex DeBrincat. Yeah, this this team is a lot scarier than they uh, were last year or the last couple of years. So it's like 
I, I think Ottawa is, is back to, to being a fearsome team that we all hope for. Um, yeah, my main concern, though, is is if Cam Talbot can be the guy. Um, how good is Claude Giroux going to be in his, like, in on this type of team? Um, I, I guess there were rumors always that, like, Claude Giroux was thinking of signing with Ottawa. He is from the area. But um, I never truly believed it, so... But I'm happy for you, Steve, because you finally have a team worth watching again. Yeah, I was watching free agency. I'm just like, wait, we're doing things. We're yeah. actually getting the prime talent. Yeah. Like, what's happening? Is this this 2005? Yeah. <laughs> was Dominic Ashik about to come out of retirement yeah. and just turn it like peak Dominic Ashik forward or something? Yeah, yeah. We won the cup. Like, what's happening here? Uh. Claude Drew gets a no-move clause, so if things go south, at least he controls where he goes, so that's expected. Uh, but the cap hit is less than uh, what uh, he previously had. I think it was in the $8 million, uh, range. Uh, so that's good. Um, you have Brady Kachuk locked up now, Josh Norris locked up, but obviously didn't want him to get offer sheet with all of these big-time moves, so they avoid that. Of course, buying out Colin White's contract, parting ways with Michael Delzato, and trading away Connor Brown to the Caps for a second-round pick kind of led to these moves. Um, it should be noted Alex DeBrinkett is a free agent at uh, the end of next year. So is Tim Stutzla. Um, if I was Ottawa, I'd probably give Stutzla his contract now so you don't have to worry about it. But um, if I'm Tim Stutzla, i kind of wait out to see what next year holds and then maybe get a bigger payday if, if things go well. Um, so that's why it's important for Ottawa to be careful with the cap management. But uh, what, what I will start off with first is that uh, Claude Drew was interested in other teams, but not that interested where he was thinking of turning down Ottawa. For him, and it feels weird for me to say, um, Ottawa was the front room all along for Claude Giroux yep. and uh, Pierre Dorian the chief of the sense said it was pretty easy to get a deal done with Claude so that that was awesome to hear um, the fact that the reports are true that a guy is is actually willing to come here and that he trusts the process and that he feels that um, Ottawa's got something going here and he wants to be a part of it he wants to be a leader that's ultimately what Claude Drew brings. I think it's important to note in Alex DeBrinkett's case, he was an assistant captain in Chicago. He's only been in the league for five years, so he has been a leadership uh, there. Cam Talbot is top-notch, world-class human being. Uh, that's uh, won 32 games with the Minnesota Wild. He's 35 years old, which I didn't realize the age gap between him and Flurry wasn't by much it's only two to three years and cam talent didn't really start until the early 2010s um, so a bit of a late bloomer but has a lot of craig anderson-esque qualities that i think are really going to resonate well with the fans and i think uh it's probably going to be a decent 1a 1b tandem on paper that he forms with anton forsberg um i don't think we're asking the world from cam talent since fans just be consistent every single game give 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 the team a best chance to win and make the big saves when called upon. Uh, Matt Murray did it sometimes, but unfortunately not often enough. And the injury problems were a factor in that as well. Honestly, it, it would have been the worst. The worst thing would have been to just 
bring out the young guys like Matt Sogard and stick with Philip Gustafson and throw them into the fray, um, that that wouldn't be good for the future. I still think Sogard is the goalie of the future for the Sens, and you need to let him develop properly in Belleville before you even give him the reins as a backup. And uh, I think Cam Talbot is going to buy time, maybe mentor Forsberg a little bit, mentor the young guys a little bit. And obviously that leadership is going to extend beyond the crease as well. Um, so I think that was a very solid acquisition uh, for the Sens there. Um, the fact that it was fairly easy to get an extension done with Josh Norris is huge. Um, he's said how much he loves this city too. Uh, the fact that we, as, as Sens fans, I keep saying we, the fact that Ottawa's got some no trade protection on Josh Norris but it doesn't kick in until year five is huge. And also, uh, the bulk of his contract doesn't really pay out until year three. And by then, the cap will be going up. So pretty good asset management from Pierre Dorian on that standpoint, too. They still need to re-sign Alex Hormonton. They still need to re-sign Matthew Joseph and Eric Brandstrom as well. Um, and they currently have $11.64 million in cap space. Uh, I've heard that the plan is to still unload the Nikita Zaitsev contract. Uh, maybe they move it to New Jersey. I'm just naming out a place that maybe could use shutdown defense and that Zaitsev will want to go to because he does have some no trade protection. So it's not like you can just dump him on Arizona and he'll be fine right. with it. Uh, <laughs> you probably need to approve that. Um, but I still think a top four def- defensive upgrade is coming for the Sens. At that point, it'll be re-signing the RFAs, maybe get a couple of short-term depth guys, and that'll be their off-season. Uh, the last thing you want to do is overcommit on term and dollars because you have those Debrinket contract, because you have those contracts coming in with Debrinket and Stutzla, and you, the last thing you want to be is the next Toronto Maple Leafs, where you're fighting right. against the salary cap for the long term. Um, so the future is bright. I love what the Sens have done this offseason. Are they a playoff team? I'm not going to say that right now, but they're hands down a lot better than what they were uh, when their season ended in uh, late yeah. April. So, um, yeah. yeah, very, very happy with with the, the seven-day stretch uh, that this franchise has gone through. And, uh, Brad, uh, I don't know if you remember the worst week in Sens history that I made. I think it was yeah. 2019. Probably gonna have to make a sequel to that because uh, the past seven days were that good. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I I think whenever a team makes this many moves, like you still have to be cautious because there is a chance that it'll blow up in your face. Um, yep. But but yeah, at the same time, it's like oh, okay, this like you know at least I can see what they're going for, and it's not like. You know, like there is a chance that Debrinkat isn't as good as he used he was when he had Patrick Kane on his line, but like you know, not to knock Drake Batherson or Tim Stutzla, but uh, they're not Patrick Kane. And then you know, also Claude Giroux is older, but at the same time, it's like you know, you have Brady Kachuk who's 22 years old, Josh Norris had a very underrated season. He's 23. Uh, Stutzla is 20. Uh, he had a pretty good season as well. Drake Batherson's 24. So it's like, even if Debrinkat and Claude Giroux don't work out, it's like, you, you guys still do have a bright future. Um, so it, it's just um, it's just a matter of those, like how much can 
to bring Kat and Giroux help out. Um, and and we'll just see. the pedigree of those guys, yeah. the veteran leadership that they bring, the fact that it's just like, oh, I gotta cover Claude Giroux because yeah. he'll probably do something bad if sure. I don't, or oh, there's a forty goal scorer Alex right. to bring it, or yeah. there's a young guy Tim Stutzla that can draw penalties and also put up a decent amount of points. Yeah. When you get that level of street cred and respectability on your line, it also opens up the door for the top line, and especially when they go on the power play to have two decent borderline great power play lines um, to work with like Ottawa's power play was pretty good already heading into the off season and it's uh, on paper I would say it's improved significantly now with the acquisition of Debrinket and Giroux to complement Stutzla Um, again whether or not the chemistry is there that remains to be seen but on paper there's a lot more guys you need to keep track of. It's it's not like uh, you're going to have a secondary weapon like Connor Brown from the power play uh, that can finish scoring sure. chances. you got you got guys like Claude Giroux that, and Tim Stutzel that can set up to bring it. And it, if people are watching that more than the top line, well, that's more opportunity for the top line to do some damage too. True, true. Um Vincent Trocek signs with the Rangers, seven years, $5.6 million. Um, this one's one that, yeah, Trocek, not to knock Trocek, but um, I don't love, or it's nothing against Trocek, actually. It's just, um, it feels like it's a lot of term for um, a player uh, that uh, he's, who's 28 years old, so that could end up not working out for them. But, uh, yeah, at the same time, it is, it is nice. As I would rather have Trocek than Ryan Strom or, um, or whoever else they have. Um, I guess Philip Heedle is the other guy. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I, it's a little bit risky. But, I, you know, at the same time, he was, he's been pretty good as, like, a second-line center. And, and, that's, um, and that's good as long as Mika Sabinajad is there. So. I find it funny that you're questioning the term they gave Vincent Trocek when you look at the term they gave Chris Kreider and the fact that Chris true. Kreider's cap hit is also higher. But like that, that, that is this year, Chris Kreider wasn't a 50 goal scorer. True, true. But like you know, it has worked out for Chris Kreider at the very least. I was, yeah. I mean, I was skeptical of of that too when they signed it with, with Kreider. But um, but yeah, Trocek is also just it's just strange too. Yeah, the way I see it, Vincent Trocek is a guy with top six upside. The The health concerns from the past couple of seasons have been a bit of an issue in, in his later years with Florida. He had 34 points in 55 games and then 36 points in 55 games uh, to close out his Florida stint, and then he was traded to Carolina. But then he was a near point-per-game pace uh, in 47 games last year, 17 goals, 43 points. And then this past year, 21 goals, 51 points in 81 games. And in the playoffs, he had uh, 10 points in 14 games, so near a point-per-game pace there. At the end of the day, he's a versatile guy that can kill penalties, uh, that can also contribute on the top six. And if those young kids on the wings start to blossom, I think he can really benefit from that as well. So I'm not really sure what to say Vincent Trocek's production levels are going to be. But if you can get 60 to 70 points out of him per season, that's pretty good for a second-line center. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. 
Um, so ever since uh, Chicago didn't qualify Dylan Strome, um, my my dream was that they uh, the Strome Bros, uh, Ryan Strome and Dylan Strome, would be on the same team. That that didn't happen. Um, also, what's funny? Yeah, there, they're not even the same conference. They're either. not in the same conference <laughs> either. Yeah. Um, well, they weren't in the same conference last year either. But uh, also, um, they're, Matt, they're pretty far away as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean. Yeah, I guess it, it's further away than New York and Chicago, but um, uh, but yeah, I guess they've always been in a different conferences, um, but but this time they switched conferences. Uh, like even when Dylan was in Arizona, um, Ryan was in the two New York places. Um, so interesting. Anyways, yeah. um, but now uh, Dylan's in the Eastern Conference and Ryan Strom's in the Western Conference. Uh, Ryan Strom signs a five-year deal uh, worth five point five million. Um, I would imagine this is like the the Ryan Getzlav uh, substitute, um, and yeah, I, I like this move for the Ducks. Um, and he's like, uh, I mean, yeah, he's twenty nine years old, but um, but yeah, I, I, I think he could be a nice mentor to all these guys coming up: Zegris, McTavish. Um, and, um, and yeah, maybe they, they deal Adam Henrique. The, the thing about the Ducks is they still have 30 million in cap space. So I'm wondering what, what, what they're going to do. I feel like, uh, they're going to make some moves pretty soon. Um, and then, um, Ryan, uh, Dylan Strom signs with Washington. We kind of, we briefly mentioned this before, but, uh, it's a 3.5 million. He's an RFA next year. It's one year. Um. This one's this one's pretty decent because you don't know like Nicholas Backstrom is on LTIR. Uh, it seems to be pretty serious, um, and there's a possibility that he's going to miss the entire season. Um, and even if he is healthy, who knows how how much he can recover? So it's like you you have a guy who can um, in Dylan Strom who can like be well um, or you know do well in a top six role, and he'll have plenty of opportunity. Um, the thing with Dylan Strom is, is he really started to take off when he started to play with Patrick Kane and Alex Zabrinkat. Um, however, he's, so it's like, you know, he may just be a line dependent type player. However, if he ends up on the same line as Alex Ovechkin, um, that's like the same kind of thing. Uh, so, so maybe there isn't a worry there and it's just like Dylan Strom can, um, make off when, uh, with Alex Ovechkin for, the rest of his career or something like that. Um, if, if Backstrom, I guess it all depends on Backstrom's health. Um, and, and maybe who knows, maybe Dylan Strom is just like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to prove that I don't need Patrick Kane and he signs with, with, um, another team next year or whatever. But, um, yeah. Well, I, and, and the thing, the thing is with the caps and, the, and what makes the Dylan Strom deal good for them is because he's an RFA. Yeah. So if, if Washington wasn't a fit, they still control his rights and they can get value for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, yeah. Do you have anything else on the Strom bros? I, I think Ryan Strom is probably going to be suited eventually as the number two center because eventually Trevor Segris is going to be that top-line center within yeah. the next year or two, I would venture a guess. Um, Adam Henrique's contract at some point probably gets shipped off. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's really any point in spending a lot of the cap space they have. I feel like the Anaheim Ducks 
might be big bargain hunters um, in terms of primary uh, primary targets for free agency next year. Um, yeah. When you can get a guy like Ryan O'Reilly or, uh, you know, I doubt he'll be available, but Jonathan yeah. Huberto, there's also Tarasenko. There, there are plenty of options. JT Miller. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for a team like Anaheim to make a pitch for a lot of those free agents. True, so true. I would, time. I was, uh, well, first off, according to Cap Friendly, they have the depth chart that Zegris is the top line center and Ryan Strom is the second yeah. line center. So maybe that yeah, is. I think that contract is more suited for a second line center than a, than a yeah. top line center. No, that makes sense. And they're going to have to pay Zegris after next year, anyways. True, so true. That'll probably be a lot. Um, and then they also have Mason McTavish in the system, too. So um, yeah. maybe it gets. And then Drysdale's also yeah. going to be due for a contract true, after true. next year, too. So yeah. that's that's where they got to be careful, too. Is like, yeah, they have $30 million in cap space, but Zegris and Drysdale are probably going to take up a, a good chunk of that. Not yeah. the whole bit, but. They're, they're going to take up their fair share of the pie, for sure. Yeah, that's a good when, point. When it's time to keep them around. Um, yeah. They also get Frank Vitrano as well in a three-year deal. I like True. that for them. Um, the although, thing- Sonny Milano and Sam Steele not keeping them around. Uh, yeah. I guess I question that, but uh, when you consider what they could get, um, I have a feeling it's probably part of a bigger plan. Um, yeah. They wouldn't give up on, on two young guys like that if they didn't think they were getting something big. True. I, I think, uh, well, what's interesting about the Ducks is I, I was kind of surprised that they weren't as aggressive. It's like you get a, you, you get a guy like Zegris, it's like winning the lottery because you didn't even get a first overall pick that draft. And you get a guy like Zegris, so you, you, you do inevitably, like, um, you know, you should build your team around him. And I understand that Zegris is a free agent next year, so you don't want to go all out with him. But, like, you might as well try to, like, get somebody um so and like i'm looking at cap friendly um they have more cap space than the arizona coyotes to the point that they're 9.2 million from the floor so they have to spend nine million dollars in order to reach the floor (laughs) so that's 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 kind of crazy um and yeah and as to your point of like with getting rid of milano and sam Steele. Tim Steele has been largely disappointing, so I get why they did that. No. Milano did have a good first half. He didn't really take off after that in the second half, so I, I get, again, I kind of understand that, but it's still, I, I agree with you. I feel like there would be a couple of takers on Milano because he didn't, like, he had a half a point per game, so you would think that some teams would be interested in him, but again, he hasn't been signed yet, so... I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's. Uh, I also forgot on. to mention that Troy Terry's current cap hit is uh, one point four five million. Yep. Uh, like Zegers, like Drysdale, he will be due for a new contract. Yep. If he continues to build on the awesome season that he had, that's probably going to cost a pretty penny. Yeah, you know that is a good point. Comtois as well. He had a pretty good season. Yep. Um, yeah, in the bubble exactly. year. It's, so. the R- it's the RFAs that are their biggest problem. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that, but it's like. They're still nine million off of the cap. They have yeah. thirty million, so it's like um, they have to make some moves, um, which leads us to our next topic uh, because uh, Kadri and John Klingberg are um, available. Um, Kadri says that he wants to go to a contender, and he's 
he's got like and teams are just waiting to like make room so that they can make a bid on Kadri so and also the Ducks as we mentioned they already signed a center they have Zegris and McTavish in the system yeah the fact they have all the room in the world to sign him uh, apparently Kadri has ruled out teams that he doesn't think are contenders I would I wouldn't consider the next one of them. So that, that's they're probably yeah. out. Well, I, I thought I said that, but yes, you're, you're that is yeah. also the reason <laughs> too. Uh, but 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 I do think the Ducks could make a play for a John Klingberg. Um, I, don't, yeah. I don't I don't know if they're gonna make uh the, like they would still have to make a couple more moves to to reach that cap thing because again they're nine millions off of the floor. But yeah, maybe they, they do make a, a move to get John Klingberg. Um, that could be something I see. And also, they have four they have four defensemen, according to Cap Friendly, on their roster. Um, so the, I I could see them making John uh, going to uh, to Anaheim John Klingberg. Um, and then I I think yeah we mentioned this at the beginning. I'm just looking at teams that still have a lot of cap space um, uh, for Kadri. Um, I guess Calgary would be interesting for Kadri because um, he would be a, a thing or it would be a contending team. Uh, cap, uh, they do have a lot of cap space, but again, they have to sign Matthew Kachuk. Um, and it would be like kind of um, as a replacement level, like or like just a sign to the fans that like, oh, hey, we're, we're still trying to compete here, even though we lost Johnny Gaudreau. Um so that there's there's that, um, but in terms of teams that would have space for him, and need centers and are contenders, um, Carolina maybe. Um, uh, <laughs> you could just go back. I was it about should to be noted Colorado. that uh, uh, Jake Gardner is expected to play next year, and yeah. I don't think they've taken his contract off of LTIR. Yeah. And the Hurricanes' amount of cap space is roughly the same amount as uh, Gardner's contract, so yeah, they might have to work out something there if they win the Cadre sweepstakes. They uh, also have yeah. Jordan Stall in the mix too. So uh, I wonder if he goes. Uh, Kadri goes to Dallas. Uh, they have eleven million, although they need to sign J. Rob and Edinger, so maybe that yep. they have. And other priorities. The year after. Um, I was going to suggest the Devils, but they have centers. Uh, the Predators, maybe, but uh, they literally just have It should also be noted, in. by the way, that um, teams have been informed, like obviously, as yep. we mentioned, to who Kadri would prefer. Uh, but apparently, uh, he's waiting for uh, teams to make cap space. Yeah. Uh, so this could drag on for right. God knows it could be a week, two weeks because it's not like a team can just offload salary. Like right, right. Teams that are in contention don't want to give up good players for nothing unless you're Vegas. Of course. Right, right, right. So um, yeah, I don't know. What's interesting too is that like Kadri's 29 years old. I don't think we're getting that same season that he had this past year. Um, yeah, no. As good as a, a, as good of a season that he had, I don't know if that's gonna work out. So it's like, you know, if I'm a team, I don't know if I do that. Um, if I were him, I also but, heard that he hasn't ruled out uh, the Avalanche, uh, or at least last couple of days. Uh, it looked like uh, the Avs were still in play. 
Uh, there's there's questions as to whether or not maybe they move Sam Gerrard or Eric Johnson's contract, or maybe JT Comfer, uh, just to add another name to the mix, would be yeah. an option. Uh, as him and Johnson are UFAs. Right. Um, and Sam Gerrard, if you want a defenseman with term, that could be a possibility. And the other thing with that is uh, John Klingberg, I feel if teams want to trade for a defenseman, they want to see what happens with Klingberg first. Right. So <laughs> in a various amount of ways, both of these guys are kind of holding uh, the line, sure. holding everything up a little. Yeah. So the- until two big dominoes fall, uh, at that point, people are going to look at options via trade if they want primary offensive help because you know outside of phil kessel and nino need a rider you're not uh, maybe pk suman you're not really gonna find it on the free agency front um so so there's that to consider so as as the trades potentially come through the pipeline over the next week or so you might start to get an inkling of okay uh, this team might be one of Kadri's final destinations. Let's see if he picks that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, Anna, um, yeah, I, I think I saw somewhere that Detroit might be interested in Klingberg, um, so that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, although he's not, like, I feel like Detroit needs more defensive defensemen, and <laughs> they, you know, they may not need, or, like, Klingberg's not known for his defense. Um so, so maybe they they don't go that route, but who knows? He's defense yeah. and he's Swedish. That's close enough to yeah. a sure thing. In that's, Detroit, that's true. Right? Yeah, maybe maybe that he does. <laughs> He's never been a bad Swedish defenseman that's played for the Red Wings. True, true. Nicholas Cronwall, Nicholas Lundstrom. I, I I'm just saying that like I feel like they want a defenseman who is better on defense. Um, no, yeah, but, for sure, and that's the defense. That's the defense type that they need. They true. tried it with Nick Letty, and I don't think it really worked out. So yeah, um, they don't really have too many of those in the pipeline. And uh, as good as Morton Sider is, he can't do everything. True, true. <laughs> but I mean, like they're going to lean on that kid like Thomas Shabbat, and they they yeah. can't rely on Ben Sherrod to be the big tough guy. But at the same time, it's different. because Sider can't do everything. It's like maybe they do have Klingberg there so that. Like, it takes the pressure off of Cider. I don't know. That, Offensively, like yeah. Offensively, yeah. But defensively, I don't think it changes. Because you look True. at the block shots and the penalty kill time. Yeah. Uh, that that guy that guy earned his paycheck in more ways than one last Fair, year. fair. He had one heck of a campaign. And you, you can't expect that all the time, or else you're going to be an overworked Thomas Shabbat. Well, that, that that's my point. Like, maybe you do um, add Klingberg to take the pressure off. Um but, uh, yeah, do you have, like, any teams that I didn't mention for Kadri or Klingberg? Um, I will say um, I don't think the Sens are a fit because they're pretty set at center, and I don't think Kadri replicates um, the season that he had this year. So even if the Sens did find a way to come up with the cap space, I don't necessarily think using it on Kadri is a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the last episode, but, yeah, there you go. Um... In terms of John Klingberg, it would be interesting maybe if Ottawa was a fit, but I think it could be somewhere along the lines of Mackenzie Weger that could be a good fit for Ottawa because uh, Florida is one of those teams that's fighting the salary cap. They yeah. get Mackenzie Weger one year left. I think three point two five million is his cap hit. He's the type of guy where you get a bit of offensive production, but 
in terms of his defense, he can also bring it. And also, he was teammates for half a season with Claude Giroux. So yeah. if you have any doubts of what type of player you're getting, you're ask Claude. You can yeah. ask Claude. He can probably tell you what the I'm, full I'm not asking about Ottawa's. There. I'm not asking about Ottawa's yeah. moves. <laughs> I'm talking yeah, about. and, and uh, local connection there too. So um, right. I, I think Uyghur could be a good fit. Can we talk I about really, I, I think in terms of taking the offensive pressure off of Shabbat, it'd be nice, but similar to Detroit, Ottawa needs veteran all-around defense. Yeah. So in that sense, I don't really think they could afford uh, John, John Klingberg for the type of term that he's looking at, and I don't think one-year deals for Klingberg are being considered yet either. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't be shocked and stunned if Klingberg chose Ottawa, but I don't expect it. Okay. Do you have other teams? <laughs> um, Seattle. I yep. could see Seattle making a play. Like they have cap space. Anaheim, like you mentioned, could be a good place for him too. Um, but um, yeah, if I had to pick a team, I'd probably say Detroit. Okay. And then Kadri. Yep. What about Kadri? Kadri. Honestly, if there's a way for the abs to make it work and to the point where Nassim Kadri's cap hit doesn't hinder their ability to, to compete when McKinnon gets his big boy contract, which I assume will be at some point this offseason, uh, I think if there's a way Colorado can keep Nassim Kadri, they'll find a way and they'll get it done. Yeah. Um, but if they can't, um, just, just because Calgary is trying to appease everyone to not leave i could see that i don't think minnesota is the cap space but in terms of the number one center need i could see them potentially making a play for kadri they would have to do some other things like maybe a mad dumba type of trade um, right. before that happens so yeah, i could minnesota see would be minnesota maybe being a fit there yeah i think he could complement uh, kaprizov pretty well um, the one team I will say 100% you wouldn't go to is St. Louis because those two sides have beef. Yeah, fair. Um, well, yeah. that takes um, me yeah, to... Yeah, those are just a couple of teams on, on my mind. I don't think Carolina because I think their center depth is yeah, 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 I I was actually looking at Dallas's center depth, and I noticed that yeah, other than Rupe Hintz, they don't really have another center. Um, currently... Yeah. Their second line center is Jamie Benn, but as I mentioned, like their 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 priority is Robertson. Yeah, they also can't afford that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> their their priority is Robertson and Edinger at the moment, so so maybe they don't. And of course, I, as a Boston Bruins fan, I would love it, but um, reportedly Krejci is coming back and Bergeron's coming back, so um, maybe if like something doesn't end up happening with Krejci um, and Bergeron, maybe uh, they do get uh cadre um but uh i don't know if that's actually going to happen because they still have the one team, 4.7 million team i think that space. could be a sleeper just because they didn't get johnny Gaudreau. new york islanders oh yep That'd um cool. the one thing uh but does cadre consider them a contender that, yeah uh well i mean i think i think they're a couple of pieces away i mean they had a down year and they sure. don't have trots as their coach but uh, they they have Matt Barzell, they have Andrew Slee, they have Anthony Beauvillier, yeah. a lot Fair. of underrated talent. Um, I, I think the Islanders can make some noise. The problem is they need to pay Noah Dobson. Yep. They have Alex Romanov, who is also an RFA. And even though Simeon Bromov's contract's off the books this year, 
in two years from now, it'll be Ilya Sorokin that comes off the books, and he'll be able to sign wherever he wants. Right. So, long term, I think it could handcuff the Islanders that they sign him for too much. I just say the Islanders because I feel like Lula Morello is destined to get that big-name player at some point. Yep. So why not Nazem Kadri, right? Yeah, I guess, yeah, maybe you, you talk me into it. I, I don't know. Um, all right, that about does it here for Lace Them Up. It is a jam-packed episode, but that's to be expected. Okay, once again. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, we have... Um, uh, yeah, you can follow us on Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 330 of the Lace Them Up Podcast.